obviously. NFL Draft Recap, Eric Edholm, NFL Media, NFL.com. Our buddy will check in, get his thoughts on how the Ravens did this weekend. Also, we will uh, get to know the first-round pick a little bit more because Jeff Halfley, the head coach at Boston College, is going to join us a little bit later on in the program. We're going to meet one of the Ravens' undrafted free agents, Keaton Mitchell, the running back from East Carolina, who is the son of of former Raven Anthony Mitchell, of course, the hero of the uh, 2000 divisional round. I guess technically that was in 2001, the 2000 season. But the uh, 2001 divisional round win down in Nashville when he ran back that block field goal for a touchdown. We're going to chat with uh, Keaton Mitchell about uh, playing for his dad's old team. And also this morning, of course, it's Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will join us as well. A lot to do on a Monday edition of the program. But, of course, first we go to the Lamar. Oh, it is at 100%. Can we go down? Right. Right. It's going to take some getting used to. Going to take some getting used to on that. Um. It's actually weird having it here now. If I'm being totally honest nah, with I think you, it, I think it's, no, I get it. We're still it's like homey. It's I don't know. It's just I'm, I don't know. It's weird. So um, it just so happens to be, go figure. Maybe Glory Days Grill knew something because this was the last gift card that they sent us oh. to give away. So like maybe they knew, maybe they had inside information about when the Lamar Jackson deal was going to get done and we were no longer going to need to do daily updates and we were no longer going to... Like, maybe they saw something that we didn't see. Which, you know, doesn't surprise me. They're so good at everything that, like, maybe they they just knew this. Maybe they can tell the future as well. Like, for example, they probably could tell that if I was coming over there today, I'd want some cauliflower wings with the, the honey old bay. That's probably what they would be able to tell. So there it is. That's the last one. Uh, we got one more to give away. And since we don't have any more Lamar meter updates, I was thinking about it today. And what I want you to do is chime in on Twitter at Glenn Clark Radio. And again, the only way for you to get registered is for you to not just give a number, but also an explanation. I know that's difficult for some of you. It's much easier to just type a number. Any number. I'm asking you to give a number and explanation. The question that I have for you today, if what we replaced the Lamarometer with was just a Lamarometer, but the next meter was a reading of the likelihood that the Ravens will win a Super Bowl over the course of the next five years during Lamar Jackson's contract, if that was the new Lamarometer, which, by the way, we have no intention for that to be the case, but it's not a bad idea. Change it every day. <laughs> not a bad idea. I gotta think about it a little bit. Just when you thought, just when you thought it, we had moved on from Lamar meters. Just when you thought I was out, they come bring me right back in. Um, if that was what we did with the Lamar meter, it said, "Hey, it's still there. We might as well go ahead and move it." And the measurement was now, what is the percentage chance that the Baltimore Ravens will win a Super Bowl over the course of the next five years? Where would your reading be and why? And why? So not just a number. A number does not get you registered. No, sir. But a number combined with an explanation 
That does indeed register to you to win this $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Got it? Capiche? As the, the young people say. I don't know if the young people say that or not, but Capiche. we're just going to go with it. Capiche? At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Give me a number and an explanation. And if you do, that's all you got to do. You can even lie. You can make it up. You can be nonsensical about it. You can say it's a 175% chance. That doesn't make any sense, but you can say it if you'd like, as long as you give me an explanation, a reason why that's the case. And if you do both of those things, congratulations. Congratulations. You know what you've accomplished? Bare minimum <laughs> required. In order for you to register to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. That's all it takes, though, is what you're saying. That's correct, Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. It's going to be weird. Going to be weird starting shows off and not turning to the Lamar meter. I'm just not used to it yet. Uh, Obviously, the Ravens completed their draft weekend since the last time we talked. Uh, The last time we talked, it was only, say, Flowers. And then they added Trenton Simpson on Friday night. And then a slew of players... Oddly, like the headline from the weekend seemed to be the last pick that they made. Right. <laughs> Go figure. It's Andrew Voorhees, the uh, offensive lineman from USC that many people believe would have been an early, maybe a Friday night pick. Um, I think most people think would have been a Friday night pick had he not torn his ACL at the Combine. Of course, the legendary scene of him like a cowboy coming in on his crutches and ripping it up on the bench anyway, despite the fact that he had just torn his ACL. Just badass. Uh, the Ravens trade back into the seventh round in order to complete the draft by taking Andrew Voorhees, giving up a sixth-round pick next year, to which most people say, well, I think next year, if you had, if he had not, like if he had been able to take himself out of the draft and just rehab, he probably would have been more than a sixth-round pick next year. So it seems to be worth it. So the Ravens are getting a good amount of praise. There's also a question for me as to why other teams wouldn't do that. Right. Like, it always, like, every time we praise somebody for something like this, I, already find my, I always find myself saying, like, yeah. But there are a lot of other teams, some teams who had more than five draft picks, and so maybe can't get all their picks on their roster, and like maybe would have been well served to use one of those picks on a next year player. That if they're, the, I don't know. It just always, I'm not telling anybody that they're wrong. I just, and we'll talk about more with uh, Eric Edholm a little bit later on in the show. It's just always weird to me whenever we praise somebody for what they did. Like every other team had the chance to do it, and they were just like. We'd rather not. So I just always wonder what that means. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it always goes back to what we were talking about last week. No one knows anything. Going well, there the is draft. that, 100%. No one knows anything, and this is pointless, and I don't know why we're bothering to do a show today, frankly. I don't know why we do a show any day. I, I don't know anything. I know nothing. Zero. I have no skills. I just come in here, yak it up, and a few of you listen. Like, God bless you for doing it. I can't believe you don't have something better to do with your day. But... Yeah, that's sort of how I feel. That's sort of where I am. I, I look, I, I on, on paper, I like it too, and I like Voorhees, and I, I, I think it's the right thing to do, and all of the above, right? Like I'm, I'm on board on all of it, but I don't know. It's just always weird to me that nobody else did. That's right. it. That's right. all. Like it's just strange that you were the only team that did it, and you had the chance to get him in the sixth round. You just decided you didn't want to do that. Like you clearly were okay with the risk that. You weren't going to come away with him. It's just one of the, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always, whenever we are f- like overflowing, overwhelming with praise, there's always a part of me that's like, 
Now, about the other side of the equation, right? Now, in fairness, of course, famously one night I said, if you really thought Lamar Jackson was going to be able to save you from all of your wide receiver transgressions, then maybe you take him with the 16th pick. Maybe you take him – maybe you don't run the risk of letting other teams have him. Maybe you go ahead and make sure you get your guy if you think that he's like a future MVP quarterback. Funny thing about that is – I will have a column today about Lamar Jackson and kind of about the Super Bowl topic that I just brought up. Um, my, my Monday column at PressBoxOnline.com covers a question that I was asked last Friday when I was doing my regular appearance on uh, my buddy Saran Petro's show down in Kansas City when he said, how do you measure success for the Ravens over the next five years now that they've given Lamar Jackson this contract? And it's a fair and it's a reasonable question. I, it, it is. It's a very fair, reasonable in particular, given what the perception is of what happened with the Baltimore Ravens in the five years following Joe Flacco getting a contract, it's a fair question to ask. Now, again, I think that perception is wrong. I think a lot of people continue to say that the Joe Flacco contract doomed the Baltimore Ravens, which I've said a billion times I don't believe is true. They say I don't believe. It's one unquestionably untrue. What doomed the Baltimore Ravens was they stopped drafting. It was the worst stretch of drafting that they've ever had in the history of the franchise. It was an abomination of drafting. Matt Elam and Terrence Brooks and Arthur Brown, and insert name here, that doomed the Baltimore Ravens in the five years of Brashad Perryman. That doomed the Ravens. Five years of awful drafting. Not the Flacco contract, but I get it. I understand. It just so happens to be that in five years, following the Ravens giving Joe Flacco a contract, they had one playoff win to show for it. And if that were to be the case here, that would be troubling. So how do you measure success? I dive into that topic today at PressBoxOnline.com. It's not an obvious answer to me. It's not a simplistic Super Bowl or bust. It's not a, there's no obvious way of defining it, but I attempt to go about it anyway. If they made five straight AFC championships and lost, is yes, that, that would be successful. That would be successful. That would be successful based on the parameters that I've set up. It's, okay. I, again, it's a loose way of looking at it. The, the loose way of looking at it to me, eh, I want you to read the column. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go to pressboxonline.com. I live for those clicks. Click, 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 click. Daddy wants to send his kids to college one day. I know it seems unlikely. I know the boys are not on the, the path. I'll go click it right now. I need those clicky clicks. Need you to go ahead, click, and then maybe spend a couple of seconds reading it. It's perusing, if you'd like. And whoa, then you whoa, can move whoa. on with Come your day. On. You're move asking. on, do whatever else you want to do after that. I just ask for the click. That's all I care about. Just the old click it, click it or ticket. You know, the whole thing. That's all I need. Jiminy Click. That's all that I want. Go click it at PressBoxOnline.com right now. We will get more into the Ravens draft. Quickly, the Orioles obviously uh, came away with three out of four in Detroit this weekend. The embarrassing part when you're playing a team like the Tigers is that you lost a game. Like, that's the embarrassing part. Everybody's like, hey, they've won all these series. If not for a a drop pop-up by Ryan McKenna, they would have won every series this season. Like, everybody's all excited about it. Me over here. Yeah, but they lost a game to the Tigers. That's embarrassing. I will be interested as the Orioles have an off day today to see if they find that it's time to make a move regarding Dean Kramer. I believe it is. 
it is my belief that I it, it's other options be damned. A team that's trying to win and a team for whom the games matter as much as they do right now can't just keep sending Dean Kramer to the mound every fifth day to get his ass kicked. Yes, he had one good start. And it happened to be that one good start was really good. But it's one. He's had one good start all season. And now there's a month's worth of track record. We're not jumping the gun. We're not saying... Dean Kramer, having pitched well for one season, does not earn the benefit of a month's worth of bad pitching. A lot of guys have earned that around baseball. Dean Kramer has not. Being a good starter for one season does not earn you the opportunity that when the games matter, you get to get drubbed for a month and still go out every fifth day. I don't know that the Orioles are going to choose to make a move. I think they're going to continue to try to drag this thing out, either in hopes that Dean Kramer will find himself or that they are more confident about the next guy that they're going to turn to. Their options would be, I mean, they could just force Cole Irvin back into the rotation, but he's not been good. Even at AAA, he's not been good. So I don't really think that's an option. Bruce Zimmerman has pitched well, but again, it's Bruce Zimmerman. Like, the moment you make that announcement, Orioles fans are going to roll their eyes and say, we've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. Batman dies. Like, I'm not interested in that. I don't know why they made that film. I can't believe that the folks involved with Batman were like, let's make one where he dies, and it's just over. That's not good. We don't want that. We like a nice happy ending. Remember how messed up we were after the Avengers movie? We were like, what the F? Remember what a weird place we were in as a country? the hell just happened we gotta wait a whole year we gotta wait a year for you to fix this for a year i've got to think that half the people in the world just disappeared we don't want that now i would do it still today i would still say i would rather throw bruce zimmerman out there right now every fifth day than dean kramer um the other option is drew rom that would seems aggressive it seems a little bit early on his path but he's pitched well in triple a to start the season and of course there's the dl hall option which i i get it he has not been overwhelming at triple a this season but it also sort of feels like you kind of have to get a definitive answer at some point you wanted him to stretch out okay he stretched out now can he help you in the rotation or does he need to go to the bullpen and at some point, I think you have to get that answer. I, get, I think someone gets a month now. It's time for someone else to get their month. And if you don't want it to be a full month, if you want it to be a three, three starts, if they all stink, then we move on type of thing, that's fine. That's your call. But it is my belief and my opinion that the games are too important. A year ago at this time, if Dean Kramer was getting his brains beat in, all good. All good. If you think Dean Kramer's special, if you think Dean Kramer has something to offer, then let him keep going out there and getting his brains beat in if you want. The games we didn't think mattered. But the games matter now. I mean, there's no way around it. The games are too important for a team that really has a chance to do something and to keep insisting that you can throw Dean Kramer out there every fifth day because he happened to have one good start against a Nationals team that has what, two professional hitters in the entire lineup? Probably, yeah. For whatever it's worse, Cole Irvin went six innings and allowed one run on us. So he's Saturday. made one good start. Yes. So he's got he that going for him. About seven hits. And, and 
And how many walks? Five strikeouts, one walk. Okay. I mean, that's that's obviously a good start, but it's like his starts before that were not good. Five innings, five runs. Ten yeah, hits. like his yeah. is that's that's his first good start at AAA. And again, I get why they would want Cole Irvin. You know, if they want to make a move, they would want Cole Irvin to be the first option because he's the guy they targeted. He's the guy that they thought was going to help in the major leagues this season. He's just, you know, not been good. I think he would need to do that for at least another start before I would turn back to Cole Irvin. I would go in one of the other directions. I think the answer is Hall. Yeah. It's let's let's w- stop pussyfooting around on this thing. How long can you wait? Figure it out. I'm kind of inclined to agree with Stan at this point that I think he's probably a bullpen arm. But you were the ones that sent him back down. You wanted him to stretch out. He's done that. Now get your answer. Because he might be a very valuable piece to you as a bullpen arm moving forward. But figure that out. Get your answer on that as soon as you can. Is there some world in which they'd like to see it be Mike Bauman because it solves a problem for them? Would they be inclined to say to Bauman, hey, like, why don't you go ahead and try to be the starter because that way we don't have to send you down when, you know, Givens and Tate are ready? Like, I, maybe. It seems like why would you mess with something that's working at the moment, but I guess what he gave up a home run on Saturday, correct, Bauman? That was, was that, it was, was that Saturday. Him? Yeah, I think that's yeah. the case. Um, but still, there's an overwhelming track record so far this season that says it is working, and I would, I don't know that I would mess that up. But from a roster crunch scenario, it might be the answer. The answer might be, well, this is how we save having to send Bauman down, as we give him a shot to move back into the rotation. I just don't, I, I don't like that option as much as I like the others on either account. I don't like Mike Bauman going back to the rotation every fifth day, and I don't like him taking coming out of the bullpen where it's been working. So I'm opposed to it. But I'm more than anything, I'm opposed to Dean Kramer making another start in four days, five days, I guess, because they have an off day. So it would be well, be Friday. would be when, his, when he would come up again. I'm opposed to Dean Kramer starting on Friday. That's in Atlanta too, right? Yeah, I, yeah I'm people, very people opposed. People were rumoring maybe they're going to try and skip uh, Grayson this week too since, because of the off day. Because of the off day? Yeah, just to like you know save an inning, save, you know, save, a, save a day. Uh, so could be sooner. You'd so well, no, because Grayson started Saturday night. Yeah, so, so he s- would be in line for Saturday. Wait, no, Thursday. He'd be in line for Thursday. Or no, no, no. Oh yeah, because they're Grayson started Saturday. Who started he yesterday? Started yesterday was Bradish. Bradish. So they would need. One, so actually, yo, no, no, you're right. So that would be. They can afford to skip somebody. No, but, no, no, no. They, 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 they would still. They would need Kramer for Thursday. Yeah. I just forgot about the doubleheader part of this. Kramer would need to start Thursday, and then Grayson would need to start Friday. So they might say, well, hey, it's Kansas City. We'll throw Kramer out there one more time. And that's mm. probably what they'll do. But again, I'm going to keep telling you the same thing. I'm opposed to it. I'm opposed to continuing to start Kramer every day. So it would be interesting that they would start. They would try to skip Grayson. I, like, I get where the off day helps, but the doubleheader kind of messes right. things up. Like, you don't. You don't have normal rest in that scenario, so I I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Now that I think about it more, I, I'm I'm in a weird I'm in kind of a weird place with that whole thing. I look, you understand the point. I'm opposed to just continuing to throw Kramer out there. I think it's it's time. You've gotten your answer. You got a month's worth of a track record. You can't keep doing it. 
Not to say that Dean Kramer could never be here again. It's that right now it needs to be someone else's shot. Someone else needs the shot to stabilize, to prove that they're deserving. And if they don't, or if somebody gets hurt at some point, you can reconsider Dean Kramer down the road. That's that's where I am. And I feel strongly about that. Honestly, I feel like it's we need to be talking about it out loud. I feel like it's important that we say the games are too important, the team needs to show that they're trying everything in their power to win, and they can't just keep doing the same things over and over again. Today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance Will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. All right. Um, let's get back to the Ravens for a second this morning because this is a really cool story. Our first guest today is now a legacy Raven. After the draft was over, he got a phone call, and he signed with the Baltimore Ravens where a lot of people believe he was one of the more impactful undrafted free agent signings. It just so happens to be that he's coming to the team where his father once played and is responsible for one of the most significant plays in franchise history. Joining us now here on GCR, he's the son of Anthony Mitchell. He is East Carolina running back Keaton Mitchell, and he's with us on the program. Keaton, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations on being a Baltimore Raven. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me on the show. Absolutely, man. Keaton, I know there's got to be like a lot of disappointment with not hearing your name called during the NFL draft, but to have this play out the way that it did, for it to end up being the Ravens, can you kind of put into words what that meant to you? Uh, I, I wish I could put it into words. Um, but now it's a dream come true. It's something that a lot of kids wish for, play for a team that they dad played for. Um, but now nah, I'm 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 glad to be at Baltimore. I'm glad to be able to finish out my dad's legacy. So I'm I'm ready to get to it. I'm guessing that you. It's is it hard for me to imagine that you probably have much of any memories at all of Baltimore? Like I'm thinking that that math wouldn't work. That you would have too many memories of when your father was here. Okay, so my dad played with the 2000 team. Yep. I was born in 2002. So yeah, that math doesn't sadly, work. Does I <laughs> sadly, I don't have any memories. <laughs> did you did did it mean something to you? Like, what do you do? You have a point in your life in which you kind of realized like who your dad was and that he was kind of a big deal, and you became familiar with the the run back of the field goal that is so iconic here in Baltimore. At some point in your life. Did you start to associate your dad with the Ravens and this important moment? Oh, yeah. Um, me and my brother, we always grew up. Like, my dad loved telling the story. We like, man, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. this <laughs> that. And then he uh, finally showed us the video. We found it on YouTube. I'm like, dang. And then, so he was like, yeah, the, the fans love me up there in Baltimore. Like, it's a it's a it's a great city. Like he like he loved Baltimore. Like it's crazy. So 
I haven't went up there with him okay. in Baltimore, my, but my brother went up there with him in Baltimore. And my brother, he had verified it. He was like, oh, yeah, the, the fans the fan still know him up there, and he still get recognized like he's still playing to this day. So, nah, it's, it's funny that I, I believe him now, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a fan. Like, <laughs> so, that's, yeah. That's awesome, Keith. You know, it's funny because uh, when the Ravens played the Titans in the playoffs a couple years ago, we were talking about what we are going to do on the show. I said, well, I know one guy I'm going to call. I know damn well yeah. who the first phone call is going to be because it's somebody yeah, that I appreciate it. we think about yeah. it all the time, man. He is that important to the history of the Baltimore Ravens. Keaton, as, yes, as, as the process was going along, um, did you have a lot of contact with the Ravens? Was it something that you had thought about as a possibility in the weeks leading up to this weekend? Um, I talked to the Ravens at the combine. And I think I talked to him one more time, but nah. Um, during the draft, the last two rounds, I had a couple of teams calling me, like if I if I don't get drafted, would I would I want to go there? So I'm like, man, I'm not I'm not looking at undrafted right now. There's <laughs> still some more picks to go, but nah. Last when the draft was ending. I had San Fran and um, the Jets, the Cardinals, Baltimore, and a couple more teams was just blowing my phone up. So me and my agent, my agent got on the phone with the Baltimore Ravens, and my dad got on the phone with the Jets, and I got on the phone with the 49ers. And then after everything was said, my dad was hyped. He like, Baltimore, Baltimore just called me like, so we go over the rosters and find out Baltimore the best fit and it's the best opportunity. So you know that's a no-brainer. Of course, let's do it. Go that's ahead awesome. and sign a paper. That's awesome, man. Uh, Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina is with us here on GCR. Keaton, it's funny you bring that up because I, I think it's something that people don't always think about after the draft is over. You know, as as much as you want to hear your name called, now you do. You have the opportunity to dictate where you want to be. and. Clearly, the, yeah. the emotional connection is real, right, with the Ravens. But take yeah. me through the other part of it, because what you just said, like looking at the opportunity that was there, I know some of it might be there's a history of the Ravens giving opportunities to undrafted free agents, right? I was just talking to Michael Pierce yesterday, who has made a whole lot of mm-hmm. money in his NFL career, despite the fact that he was undrafted. Was that part of the thought process for you guys? Like, hey, if there's a place where we believe we're going to get the fair shake – Baltimore has kind of proven that's going to be that one of those places. Yeah, um, yeah, but but my dad, he he already know like Baltimore play with Lamar Odell. They just drafted Zay Flop. It's a it's a great team. And when my dad was playing, and it's still up to this day, it's a great program. Um, a lot of coaches treat your family right and. And that's 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 a no brainer. I'm glad they gave me the opportunity, so I'm gonna take advantage of it. That's awesome, man. Keaton, what is it that Ravens fans should know about you? What what is it? I you know it's funny. I've, I'm I'm buddies with the uh, the play by play voice at Navy. His name is Pete Medhurst, and he was raving to me about you. Said, dude, if Keaton's yeah. just two inches taller, I'm telling you, he's a day <clears throat> two pick. I'm sure that's frustrating right. for you to hear because you can't do anything about that. But tell me about what yeah, it is yeah. the, the Baltimore Ravens are getting in Keaton Mitchell. 
uh, they're getting a playmaker and a speedster and some more speed in the backfield. Um, somebody who can do it all. Uh, but my biggest thing is I'm a, I'm a playmaker. Uh, it's going to be an explosive offense this year, um, but not on the field. But off the field, you're going to get a great teammate, a player that, that interacts with the fans a lot. So we're going to have some fun in Baltimore this year. And have you like have you had a second to think about the fact that you're about to be hanging out with Lamar Jackson? Like, is that – has that kind of like come through? <laughs> like, I, that, by the way, I was looking for that ex- response that you just gave me. By the way, like, yeah, have you had that nah, moment? That is it's crazy um, to be on the offense with Lamar Jackson and think about it. It's just like if like w- once we get going, it's like, like I honestly don't know how you're gonna be able to stop the offense, like. Uh, that's crazy, but my brother more hyped than me, and my sister <laughs> they they more hyped than me. They, are my, there, my brother love Lamar. <laughs> are they already trying to figure out ways? You'd be like, bro, you got to help me meet him. Like, have they already kind of talked to you about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so my sister Odell fan, my brother Lamar fan, but uh, nah, we it's, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great, dude. How cool great. how cool is that, man? <laughs> like, nah, it's it's, it's real cool. That's and, cool. Yeah, it's it's cool. That's yeah. wild, bro. It's really exciting, man. Keaton, what's yes, what? The, I know the goal for you, simplistically, is to make the football team, right? But as yes, you as you arrive yes. here, starting with rookie camp, take me through. Like, what is it that you want to make sure that you can prove? What is it that you want to have the opportunity for them to come away saying about you, so that you can present that best opportunity for you to make the team? Uh, my first impression is going to be. Um, just letting them know that I can play with these guys. Let them know that size don't matter. Um, the only size that matters is your heart. Like you, you gotta have a big heart. You gotta be able to to put everything aside and just play the game you love. My dad always told me like it's a kid's game. Go out there and have fun. So I'm gonna go out there and have fun and uh, do what I always been doing and um, make the coaches love me and. Put my all to this team, put my all to Baltimore, and try to get a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Keaton Mitchell, we're so, it's such a cool story, dude. It's such a cool yeah. – you know the other thing, too, that jumps out at me, right? Like, as a rookie, you're probably going to be asked to play a little bit of special teams. Could you yeah, imagine if a scenario presented itself <laughs> where, like, at some point you were the one coming away – with a block field goal, <laughs> like could you nah, imagine? No, for real, yeah, dude. It no, nah, be- my 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 dad always preached to me special team was very important. So I'm gonna get in there, try to get on every special team, kick return, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return, and just try to be a, be a big impact on this team. So that's awesome, and of course he knows he knows a thing or two about the type of career you can have yeah. if you take special teams yeah. seriously. You can stick around for a long time in this league, and uh, there's, yep, uh, there's a no long doubt. time. Keaton, uh, social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that. Where can Ravens fans be giving you a follow? Follow me on ins- Instagram at underscore d e u two e. D e. I don't be on Twitter like that, but you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Keaton Mitchell. K and the M is capitalized. That's awesome. Keaton, uh, it's such yes, a cool sir. story, man. We're so happy for you. We can't wait to get out and see it at some point in the coming months. 
Uh, congratulations and best of luck as this uh, off season and this training camp and everything goes on. We're going to be rooting like hell for you, man. Thank you so much. That's Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina. Um, very productive, very productive player. For the record, uh, Ken Zalas told me yesterday he'd be shocked if Keaton Mitchell didn't make the roster. That's how high our guy KZ is on uh, the former East Carolina running back. I, you know, I think it'd be a really cool story if it worked out that way. Uh, over 1,000 yards each of his last two seasons. 1,452 yards a year ago. That seems pretty good. 14 touchdowns. That'll play. Does make you wonder why it is that he wasn't drafted, but you hope that it's just the insanity of how people treat the running back position, although oddly in this year's draft it felt like people were going right back to recognizing the reality of the running back position. Um, yes, his size, 5'9". To Pete Medhurst's point, perhaps if he were two inches taller, you know, he would have gone. He would have heard his name called. The Ravens, you know, of course, have a history with some successful undersized backs. One in particular who jumps out at you in uh, Ray Rice. I don't know, man. Like, we'll see. It's a great, it's a cool story. It's a really, really cool story. And appreciate uh, Keaton Mitchell taking a couple of minutes for us this morning to talk about it. All right, today's show is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, sports betting. You probably started doing it. You probably signed up with a couple of different places, but have you signed up with everybody? And it's not because we want you to you know, spread your money around. It's because we want to make sure you're taking advantage of all of the various offers and opportunities that are available to you. Like, for example, perhaps you haven't signed up with PointBet yet. PointsBet is giving you five second chance bets when you deposit and bet your first $50. But there's no code, there's no password. You just got to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers, click the points bet link, and sign up that way. Again, points bet link at pressboxonline.com slash offers. Sign up, and you'll get five second chance bets when you bet and deposit your first $50. Again, pressboxonline.com slash offers speaking of the nfl draft we are going to get to know the first round pick of the baltimore ravens a little bit better jeff halfley the head coach at boston college is going to join us next as we continue on gcr yeah that's where the we play the break normally there that's where when that are you a diehard o's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit look no further than birdland sports birdland sports is a small business run by fans for fans they offer a wide variety of unofficial o's merchandise from the birds are coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more and the best part their prices are more affordable than the big guys so head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today show your support for the birds with birdland sports the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms 
Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait. Did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Yes, indeed. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio as we get ready to uh, chat with Jeff Halfley, the head football coach at Boston College. Learn a little bit more about Zay Flowers. A reminder that your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com bring you today's program. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Interesting that we're heading up to Boston because just a real bummer last night. You got to feel got to feel for those guys. Man, all those good guys up there. God, just terrible. Whenever whenever something happens to a good group of people like Boston sports fans, you just, you really, your heart aches for them. And for them to blow in the final minute of Game 7 a lead and then lose in overtime to the Florida Panthers and be knocked out of the playoffs when they had the best regular season, what, in hockey history? Yeah, yeah. God, just... Yeah, I mean, my, it's, I, it, it's hard it's, to see. It's they, wretching. They, they didn't deserve something like that. Really. No, they're just good guys up there. Just really a good group of people up there. So you feel bad for them. I need to make sure we get this out before. I don't know if Jeff Halfley's a Boston fan or not. I couldn't tell you. But, uh, yeah, just uh, you hate to see it for those guys. and A real shame. Uh, hey, but as I said last night on Twitter, if there's good news to the fine folks up there, it's that, their baseball team is currently tied for fourth place, so they got that going for them. That's not nothing. Tied for fourth place. Things are going well. There you go. That's uh, that's a whole thing. Also, last night, a thriller out in um, in the West is uh, Seattle knocks out to the defending Stanley Cup champions. The Kraken deliver a, a, a blow to the Avalanche as the Avalanche are out of the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. Kind of a, a wild day. Is The basketball is on the afternoon, so there was hockey kind of took center stage last night. and You got two game sevens, which ain't bad. It ain't bad. 
I, I enjoyed watching both of those. So, um, yeah, they, they move on. There's one more Game 7 tonight, right? Rangers-Devils, correct, is tonight Game 7. And Blue then seven. their uh, conference yeah. semifinals will be set in the NHL. Let's get back into some draft talk this morning. Of course, the Ravens in round one of the NFL draft selected Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers. Let's find out a little bit more about the newest Ravens wide receiver. Joining us now, he is the head football coach at Boston College. He's Jeff Halfley, and he's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun to talk about Zay, so... So whatever you need, fire away. I love it. You got a special one. I love it, man. Can you just take me through, like, when you got there, what did you? What was the first thing that jumped out at you about Zay Flowers? Well, I got here, he was a freshman, and I watched his tape, and you saw a guy that they were kind of giving jet sweeps and bubble screens to, and he wasn't playing that much. So I thought, I thought we had a guy who had a chance. Um, needed to develop, needed to get stronger. And then I remember the first practice, just how hard he practiced. And, I mean, the energy level the smile, the juice that he had. And I remember watching him release off the line, just watching him run by somebody in one-on-ones and kind of smile and said, I think we got one. Mm-hmm. And from then it was, you know, we had to develop him. And that's why I think it was really important that he stayed last year. And, you know, he put in his time here in four years because he developed into a complete wideout. He wasn't just a guy getting bubble screens and handing the ball. He went from, a guy who could catch and run and make people miss to a guy that by the end of last year could go out and make the contested catch. And in my opinion, he's not a, he's not just a slot. He's a complete wide out. So I, I wanted to ask this question because I've tried posing it to a couple of people. Why, why is it that his height hasn't mattered? Like why is it everybody on the outside always wants to knock someone who's five, nine, right? And say, ah, you know, you, this is the NFL. You can't do that. Why is it that Zay Flowers has been so much more, than a 5'9 football player? Well, one, he plays strong. Um, he's a hard guy to get down. He's got a, he's got a really strong lower body. So he, he, has, he has this remarkable ability to make people miss. It's like he has this vision that as soon as he catches the ball, he knows where people are, and you very, very rarely see him take a direct shot. And I think that's huge for a smaller player. Um, and then the biggest thing he did this year he showed he could go out and make the contested catches. And that, you know, we talked to to him about maybe coming out last year, and I think one of the question marks on him was, can he go make the contested catch? Well, he did that time and time again this year. So I think when you look at a guy who doesn't have great height, um, he's got the play strength, and now he shows he has the ability to go up and get the ball on the outside, and everybody knows that he can catch and run on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably why, talking to people, but he's not. He's not your typical slot who's just going to get the ball quickly thrown to him or take handoffs. This guy's a wideout. Yeah, like to the point where he can win one-on-one matchups on the outside. He's going to win one-on-one matchups <laughs> on the outside. You're not, you're not going to cover – you're going to struggle to cover this guy one-on-one. You better, you better go down and get your hands on him, um, and then you better be really good at the line of scrimmage because he can release. Uh, he can reduce, reduce his surface area. He can make you miss. And he can accelerate. His ability to stop and start is ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, there's some good DBs in that league that are going to cover him. I get it. I was in that league for seven yep. years coaching DBs. Yep. But he is going to be – he is going to be really hard to cover one-on-one. He is Jeff Halfley, Boston College football coach. He's with us here on GCR. 
Coach, was there a play or a game or a moment that most stood out to you? Everybody uses the phrase, uh, I'm him, right? Like, that's the new thing now. But, like, an arrival moment, someone that he went up against, something like that, you say, hey, dude, take, take the time, go back and watch this. Because it was in that moment that I realized this wasn't just a good football player. This was a kid that was going to go on to do really special things. Yeah, I think there were two of them, and they were both in the same game. Um, against Louisville, he went up, and I think there were three defenders, and he went up and just completely took the ball away from them. And then the other one, we, we call the reverse pass, where he actually, because they can throw, so that's going to be a pain to defend, mm, too. Mm. So, so he, ca- he caught the ball. He caught like a bubble going to his left, or he handed it to him going to his left, and no one was open, so he reversed all the way across the field um, and scored a touchdown running it about 40 yards. Where I was like, all right, this kid, this is ridiculous. We just called it a reverse pass. The play was completely shut down. He reversed field. He probably ran 90 yards to get 40 yards, made like six people miss, and scored. Um, and then the other one was his junior year against Florida State. They got some speed on the field. I mean, he took a reverse about 80, and it looked like he made two or three people run into each other, made about three fall down and scored on that one, too. I mean, those are the three that really stand out. I am going to go spend some time with both. So the Louisville game was this season, or was... Which... Louisville, watch Louisville this year, yep. and then the NFL Network was playing those constantly. Yeah, I... I go, okay. back to Flor- go back to Florida State his junior year and watch him on a reverse, um, and it was one of the most impressive runs I've seen. So it's funny because you just said he's not just a slot guy, right? And I, and I think that's the thing that's jumped out most at me, Although I, I do, I would imagine the Ravens are going to try to use him in a bunch of different ways because what you're describing to me with the, the plays in the reverse is the fact that he can throw the ball. It does sound like what you're kind of getting is two for one. You're getting an outside, you know, perimeter receiver capable of playing that way, but also who can do some really special things if you're willing to design plays where the purpose is just get the ball in his hands and let the magic happen. That's it. You've got to find ways to get the ball in his hands. And the more he touches it, uh, he's going to score points. And, you know, I think he got, obviously, a, an explosive quarterback, some other explosive wideouts. Yeah. Um, they're going to be hard to defend. I mean, Lamar, with his ability to, you know, make off-schedule plays and run the ball and throw the ball down the field, and now you give him a weapon like Zay, I mean, it, it is going to – I'm excited. I'm really excited to watch him play. You, you mentioned, obviously, your own time and your career. You spent some time in the AFC North, and so you had to go up against John Harbaugh. Um when you found out that it was Baltimore, was there some part of you? I get it. Like as a coach, you're getting a first round pick. This is great news because you can walk out to say to your next group of recruits, you can be the next Zay Flowers. I understand it doesn't matter where it is. That works the same way. But was there a part of you that said, oh, I'm glad it was there, or that you thought it was a particularly unique, given your time that you had spent in this division? Yeah, I just, to me, it's looking at Coach Harbaugh and what he's done over time. Uh, and I think it's one of the best organizations in in the NFL. And that's, that really excited me. Cause I mean, look, that's over time. It's, I mean, Baltimore guys have done an unbelievable job. So for him to go to a great club that does things the right way with a first class coach, I mean, yeah, it's like being a proud parent. He's, he's in great hands and I'm really excited about that. The, the, speaking of being a proud parent, we've heard so much about Zay and his personal story, right? And obviously um, you know, growing up the fourth of 14 kids and, and the tragedy that he has dealt with in his life and taking on the roles of, of almost being half a parent as an older brother, as an uncle, things like that. 
Can can you tell me about what you learned about him and how that shaped him and his drive to succeed as a football player? Yeah, I mean, I think it's who he is. He's a loyal guy who cares about his family. He's a loyal guy who cares about his teammates. He's a loyal guy that cares about his coaches, and he's committed. And I think that is very rare um, in all sports and probably all of the world right now. I mean, you're getting a guy who's going to give his teammates everything, just like he gave his family everything, just like he gave his team and his coaches everything. And he's going to stay committed to them, and he's going to stay loyal to them. And he's been through a lot of hard times, but it's never broken him. And he comes out with a smile on his face with a ton of energy, whether it's, you know, family issues, whether it's family um, travesties, or whether it's being on a team that didn't have a lot of success this year, yet he continued to go harder than anybody. You know what you're going to get because he's been through it and nothing has stopped. I, I didn't want to, I don't want to say this because I don't want it to come off disparagingly at all, but I remember Stefan Diggs once upon a time being at Maryland and Maryland went through just a, a terrible slew of quarterback injuries. That's to the point where they had to line up a, a linebacker named Sean Petty and play quarterback, and he still managed to be productive through all of that. And one of the things people point out is imagine taking this jump up to now being with Lamar Jackson. Is, is there a part of you that thinks that, like, there's, there's something more that maybe we haven't seen yet, that as good as he was, that there might be something even yet still to be seen in terms of Zay Flowers and his talent? Yeah, because I think he's developed every single year. I mean, my example was he wasn't making the contested catches a year ago, and he did it. I mean, his first year here, all he was was literally just a jet sweeping bubble guy, and then he learned how to run routes. So he still needs to develop. He's still a young player, and he's going to get coached really well there, and they'll continue to detail him up and, and bring the most out of him. So, yeah, I think he's just going to get better and better as he continues to play. It's it's look we're very excited about it obviously it's something that we've waited uh, you know there's there's been I, when you when you hear people comparison to, compare him to Steve Smith Senior what's your reaction when you hear that well one I think that covering Steve or trying to coach to cover Steve Smith um, just the way he plays the game how hard he plays the game how hard he is to tackle and defend and cover I think for anybody to say that that is an enormous sign of respect yeah. Um, because that is not a guy you want to play against. Uh, that's a fact. That's a f- we liked him when he was here. When he was here, you wanted him on your team. When he was on the other side, he was a nightmare. Um, Coach, not the only guy here in Baltimore that you know a thing or two about. I was wondering, you know, we've been we've been hoping that at some point there'd be a breakout moment for Malik Harrison here in Baltimore. Can you tell me about that young man who I know you spent a little bit of time with at Ohio State and – just what what you believe that it still can be tapped into as far as Malik Harrison as he continues the development. Yeah, I mean, he's what you want your new linebackers to look like right now. He's got size and this incredible length. I mean, gosh, he's a big guy that can run, cover ground. He's athletic. I just think he, he needs to continue to play the position and learn how to play it. Um, I had him for one year at Ohio State, and, I mean, I thought the upside of the ceiling on a guy was incredible. Um they don't look like that, and they're not as athletic as he is. And I haven't been able to watch as much probably as you guys have. Right. Um, but he's still a young guy, you know, just like I was around J.K. And J.K., mm-hmm. I mean, that guy that guy lights up a room too and great personality and tough. And I, mean, I think the world of him, I think, I think he's another one, another great one. Uh, we are. They, I think there's a lot of expectations. We saw it when he got back on the field a year ago that he was still every reason to believe that J.K. can be special moving forward. 
Um, Coach, obviously it's a great thing for you, for your program. I also noticed I was perusing your roster earlier today. You've uh, you've made the trip down to Baltimore a couple times to find some players in recent years. Yeah, we've uh, that whole DMV area has been really good to us, um, and it needs to continue to be. I think I think it's really good football. There's a lot of really good athletes, O linemen. I think it's really well coached. It's very competitive, and um, there's some really good academic schools that really fit us. So we will continue to get down there, and I appreciate you bringing that up too. Absolutely, Coach Coach Jeff Halfley. Uh, congratulations to you and to your program. I know it's a really good thing. Uh, for everybody to have a first-round draft pick, and it goes a long way with what you're building. Best of luck moving forward, and thank you for taking the time and joining us this morning. Thanks a lot. Enjoy Zay, and uh, good luck to you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Coach Jeff Halfley with us here on uh, GCR, getting a little bit more information. Can we try, Griffin, to find um, that on YouTube, if possible, see if it can't be shared out as uh, the one that he said. Hey, look, that's the one. You want to know about this young man and what he's capable of doing. I, I, he mentioned I didn't watch. So I was watching the ESPN coverage of the draft. Mm. So I did not see that they were promoting it, highlighting it on NFL Network. Um, but if you can find those Louisville plays, too, um, it couldn't hurt. could not hurt to share those out as well as we talk a little bit more about Zay Flowers. I, look, the obvious part is, like, how are you going to go about trying to use him and – as much as everyone has said over and over again that he can play on the outside, he's not just a slot receiver, it, it looks like at the moment that's the best way for him to at least start his NFL career. Now, I don't know that Odell like, – I don't know how many snaps a game you're imagining for Odell Beckham. Like, I don't know where he's at and what you think is best for him. So – We'll have to figure that out as this moves along. Presumably, you draft Zay Flowers at least in part because you're, well, yes, you're comfortable lining him up outside. You're also saying to Todd Munkin, hey, are you comfortable that you're going to design plays where the point of the play is get the ball in this dude's hands? And Ravens fans probably feel a little bit of a way about that because... There were a lot of requests over the years for more play designs like that in the Greg Roman offense for whether it be a Devin Duvernay, somebody along those lines. Just do whatever you got to do in order to, to say, give this guy a chance to go make a play. Design a play. The point of the play is we want the ball in this guy's hands. And we didn't see a ton of that. I don't think that they draft Zay Flowers if they're not at least thinking about trying to run those types of of plays. I'd like to hope, anyway. I'd like to hope that's the case. All right, we are uh, winding down here in hour number one of the program. Some of your responses, again, today we are giving away a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. Of course, there is no lamar meter anymore, but I just want to, because we still had one more, because of the way it timed out, I want you to uh, chime in. If we move the lamar meter to be a reflection of the percentage chance that the Ravens win a Super Bowl in this Lamar Jackson contract in the next five years, which, by the way, presumably will have been redone before we get to five years, but let's just let's just deal with it. Five years, percentage chance they win a Super Bowl, and why? You tell me those two things, you are registered in order to win. 
Uh, Marlo, 20%, but that's a very high number. I put the Chiefs and the Eagles at 33% by comparison. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. It takes a lot of lucky bounces and team health. In 2012, we wouldn't have made the playoffs without Ray Rice's 4th and 29. If healthy and a little luck, we have a good shot. I think it's fair, right? I think it's fair to say, and it it kind of comes up. I'm going to end up giving my column away, aren't I? Click it anyway. It comes up, I think, constantly about this tweet that uh, Kevin Van Valkenburg, our buddy from uh, now low, No Laying Up, used to be at ESPN. I think constantly about this tweet that he sent out after a random game in 2021 where you know he was talking about all of the bad football that he had to watch for years covering the Ravens and the comparison to Lamar Jackson. And he just says, will Lamar Jackson win a football? Will Lamar Jackson win a Super Bowl here? I don't know. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl. And Dan Marino never did it. Here's a, here's a tidbit for you, Griffin. The, uh, including Lamar Jackson, there have been five just this century, just since 2000, Five MVP quarterbacks who have not won a Super Bowl. Do you know all five? Uh, okay, so Lamar. Yes. Five MVPs who haven't won a who Super Bowl. Who haven't won a Super Bowl. MVP quarterbacks. Yes. MVP. NFL. NFL Matt Ryan. MVPs. Matt Ryan, absolutely. Matt Ryan, on Lamar. List. Um, hmm. MVPs mm. who have not MVPs won. who have not won a Super Bowl. Did. No, Kurt. Kurt Warner won an, or won a Super Bowl. He most certainly did. Yes. Um, hmm. It's hard because I just go immediately to well that they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. not them. You got two of the five so far. I'm two for two. Yeah. Well, kind of. You threw out Kurt Warner. Well, yeah. I was just did, saying. Was, yeah, uh, I'm rolling him out. You're doing that bit where it's not my guess, but. Well, yeah. I was confirming he uh-huh. won the Super Bowl. Um. The I guess I got to try to think back to the early part of. There, there the were it, it almost is broke. There were two in the first decade. There were two in the second decade, and now there's been one so far. Oh, no, no, no last I guess year. that's not true. Oh, Pat Mahomes. No, there had been because Car- Jackson was 19, so there had not been any in this decade. Carson Wentz technically won a Super Bowl. Yeah, but he was also never MVP, dude. Carson Wentz was, oh, right. was not MVP. MVP and then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he might have won MVP. Like he was in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, there was it was not a certainty that he was going to be MVP, but he was definitely in the conversation. Cam Newton. Cam Newton is 100% on the list. All right, three. three. Yeah. Uh, so the other, the other, the rest of them are on before the first 2010. decade of yeah. this, this mm. century. Who before 2010 mm-hmm. one is one MVP? I don't see my MVP knowledge is mm. before 2010 isn't mm. isn't great. Mm. Who won an MVP? Mm. Didn't win a Super. Didn't Bowl. Didn't win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Did, but had to have been on good teams. Mm-hmm. Jay Cutler never won MVP, did he? No, Jay Cutler was never MVP. <laughs> uh, also, never won a Super Bowl, but and uh, hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to give up this early. I mean, yeah, I'm, we're gonna I'm have really to scratching. we're gonna have to know, move really along. You're gonna have to throw some guesses out at some point. MVP quarterback before 2010. Guess Dante Culpepper. Dante Culpepper. He'd be incorrect. He never won MVP. Rats. He was really good, but he never won MVP. Brett Favre won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. Give me... Guess Trent Green. <laughs> Not going to guess Trent Green. He okay. didn't win MVP, did he? He didn't win MVP, no. Um, guess something, though. Alex gotta, Smith never won MVP, Alex did Smith he? certainly never <laughs> won MVP. Yeah. Uh, who won MVP? Guess, come on. I know. Guess Donovan I can't McNabb. Of, guess Donovan, Donovan McNabb. McNabb. No. Really? Damn, <laughs> no, that, that, that was a good MVP. one. 
Um, who, who are yes, Steve losing? McNair. <laughs> Steve McNair. Okay, you got one. Yes. Yeah, Steve, Steve McNair. McNair. When did he win MVP? Uh, he, he and I, I want to say he and Peyton Manning actually, it was the did, only year there was split MVP. Did Vince Young ever win MVP? No, Vince, Vince Young certainly never won MVP. Uh, let's see. Who else could be on this list? There's one more. Yeah. Yes. I, I, made a Super Bowl. He made a Super Bowl. Did not win a Super Bowl. I would Best have to chance say... to win a Super Bowl was thwarted by the Baltimore Ravens, probably. Although, I guess maybe the year they made the Super Bowl. They got their ass kicked in the Super Bowl the year they made it. Ravens beat them. Mm, Ravens beat them. This, was, this was before 2010. It was before 2010. It was uh, 2002 that he won MVP. Uh, and by the way, it was 2003 that Steve McNair and Peyton Manning split Split MVP. MVP? Co-MVPs of the NFL Could you imagine today? Yeah, I don't know why that wasn't a bigger <laughs> deal then. Like, I don't know why we didn't revolt. Like, you couldn't have just figured out a tiebreaker or something. Was Rich Gannon an MVP? Rich Gannon was MVP of the NFL in 2002, yes, and has not won a Super Bowl. Made it to the Super Bowl, but has not won a Super Bowl, which is sort of the point, right, when we have this conversation. Like, when what what is brought up by Marlowe is, is well taken. It's very hard to win a Super Bowl. Very, very hard to do. So I get it. I get it. Brian, I would say 33. Too many other good teams. Injuries play a major factor. That said, we have as good a chance as anybody. Just need things to fall our way. Edge, up to 50%. Too many variables in play, but with Lamar in the fold and a roster littered with blue chip guys, they have a good as ch- a good as good a chance as anyone. Uh, our, our Canadian friend Cole Jackson, who I see doing uh, draft stuff now for the Ravens themselves, which is cool. Uh, Cole said 100 just because it's Purple Patrol season. I, I said you're allowed to be nonsensical. I did say that as long as you gave a reason. It's so answer. Probably going to be similar to mine. Of course, Cole's Canadian, so I don't think he needs a Glory Days gift card. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, you can talk to him but if he wins, but I don't think that's the case. Uh, Gina, uh, 53%. We need two cornerbacks, and we need to re-sign Houston. Installing a new offense, when it all comes together, though, it's really going to come together. Um, you know, I, I we addressed that kind of yesterday on the radio show. Like, what what is it? How far away are the Ravens from having the opportunity to win the Super Bowl? And a lot of people brought up cornerback. For the, I mean, I was talking about in the context of this season, not the next five years. Um, and a lot of people brought up the cornerback thing. Yes, that's the... If you want to react to anything related to the draft in a negative way, it would be, uh, what the, what exactly are you doing at the cornerback position? With no disrespect to Caillou Blue Kelly, who is a genius. Okay, I mean, that's all well and good. <laughs> I just don't know that you think that he's going to walk in and start at corner on day one. Yes, you assume that the Ravens are going to dip their toes back into the, the free agent marketplace this week after the deadline passes. Um for you to for it to affect your compensatory pick formula, and whether that's bringing back Marcus Peters, whether that's although again Marcus Peters wasn't going to affect your compensatory pick formula, so I don't really know why you have been waiting this long for Marcus Peters. But Rocky Seen is someone that yeah. you can sign, and I think we can, I'm say Casey Hayward is still out on the street. But of course, there's a reason why those guys are still out on the street, and to assume that their answers is troublesome. I I think we're going to be concerned about what the Ravens are going to do at corner because there isn't a comforting answer to be had for a franchise that has sold us for some time about the importance of building from the outside in when it comes to how they build their defense. So corner comes up a lot. Health obviously comes up a lot. 
I still think you need to see it's one thing to have all these pieces offensively and to say, well, you're presenting a good group of pieces. You still need to see it all come together. You still need to it can't just be pieces. It's got to be production. You still need to go from, hey, I like Zay Flowers and I like, you know, the idea of maybe Odell Beckham can be what he was with the Rams and Mark, like it still has to all be on the field together and functional, and I still need to see it with a new offensive coordinator. The one thing that I'm still going to yeah, – I think you need to find productive edge rush, and I'm concerned about that. I am. Like The ironic part being Justin Houston was more productive at the beginning of the year last year than he was at the end of the year, and yet your defense was better at the end of the year than it was at the beginning of the year. So I don't think it's a hand-in-hand. You have to have a dominant edge rusher in order to have a good defense. For me, it's about when you need to win a football game, when everything is on the line, and I've said this a million times, that play needs to be made up front. And while I think Roquan Smith can make some plays, and I'm interested in Trenton Simpson as a chess piece. We'll talk more about him with Eric Edholm in a minute. Like I think there's some intriguing pieces defensively I still think that you need to have a guy that you know when the game is on the line and one play needs to be made, he can steal someone's soul. And I get that Roquan is probably as close to you that you have to that. It's just that he's not a natural edge rusher. So that's still like the emergence of someone as being that guy, and I don't know that it's going to be Tavius Robinson from Ole Miss, but the emergence of someone as being sort of a soul stealer in the edge rush department still stands out to me as sort of a difference right now between this team and a team that I think can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, unless they still are really really think Owe can be what they I, or a job brought him in. Yeah, or like that, that's what I'm saying. The emergence. It's yeah. not I'm not saying that it's somebody else that you're going out and getting at this point. I think it's gotta be from your group. Go get Chris Jones. Uh sure. I mean all, all for it. In favor. Let's go do that. Worked out pretty well for the last group that tried it. All right, uh, coming up in next, we will talk more about this class with our buddy Eric Edholm from NFL.com. If you haven't signed up yet, get the PressBoxOnline.com slash offers because we've got a really cool opportunity for you to win tickets, four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. PressBoxOnline.com slash contests. And get signed up today. Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. 
Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley are back tonight. They're going to be chatting with Jack Ram, Aberdeen Ironbirds general manager, as they are gearing up for Jackson Holiday's debut in Aberdeen. You're going to want to check that out tonight, facebook.com slash Sports. If you miss it live, you'll be able to check it out, youtube.com slash online or pressboxonline.com slash video. Again, Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Ironbirds GM Jack Graham. It is a Monday edition, a post-NFL draft edition of GCR. Uh, Deb Patchwa from Russell Street Report uh, just responded to uh, one of our tweets from Keaton Mitchell. said, obviously the fact that Keaton's dad played for Baltimore is so damn cool, but I also love this move because he has a real chance to not only make the team but play a big role. If not in 2023, definitely 2024. That's a win-win between personal and professional goals. Yeah, there's a real opportunity there. Again, I brought it up with um, KZ yesterday. I'm not sure the Ravens are quick to move on. I I know, like, when we hear Justice Hill, we kind of, like, shrug, like, eh. But I don't know that the Ravens feel that way. He was their pass catching back. I have hoped beyond hope that this will be the season, that finally we see J.K. Dobbins get involved as a pass catcher. I know it's never been his game. Even at Ohio State, he did not. he, He caught, like, 1.8 passes per game in his career in college. He's never been a pass-catching back, but his skill set suggests that he should be. And in a Todd Munkin offense, you would like to think that's something that he would do. But you can't ignore the production of Keaton Mitchell, and it is a neat story. So, yeah, I'll be rooting for him to make the team and have a chance to carve out and see what he could offer moving forward. Right, let's talk a little bit more about what the Ravens did over the course of the weekend. Our next guest, longtime friend of ours. He is, of course, with NFL Media, NFL.com. He is our buddy Eric Edholm, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Eric, it's Glenn. Good morning, my friend. I imagine it was a busy weekend for you. Thank you for squeezing us in today. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. No problem. Pleasure is mine. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it was actually my favorite time just to kind of sit back, take stock of every team's picks, you know, let the dust settle, try not to make any, you know, grand proclamations, but also, you know, see what, uh, see who we like and who we didn't. I, I hate, I like Eric, I have, I know once upon a time I was all in on this, but as an older man, I hate the concept of grading someone for the draft, right? Like it's, it's an exercise in our own biases for the most part, right? But that being said, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I we, we have opinions on these guys before right. they're drafted. We're right. certainly going to have opinions on them as to where their fit is. We always talk about how important fit is, but yeah, of course. I mean, there there, there are plenty of examples. Like for instance, Tariq Woolen. I thought there's no way he should have lasted the fifth well, round, and I was right. Yeah, yeah, damn there right. are other guys, right? who perform well as lower-rated guys that I did like, and, you know, that's that's always going to be the case. Is there a – look, I think the guy – it's funny because I've never seen this before where it feels like with the Ravens class, all of the talk is about the first guy and the last guy, right? Like, I've never <laughs> I've never seen that happen before. But maybe when Keenan Reynolds was drafted by the Ravens, there was a lot of talk about sure. him, but it was an emotional thing. It wasn't, you know, a, about a football standpoint. I, I oddly want to start there if I could. The decision to move back in and take Andrew Voorhees where they did, where if Andrew Voorhees had never gotten hurt, where do you yeah. think he would have gone in this draft? Good question. Probably top hundred, top one twenty-five, something like that. I mean, I don't know exactly where. You know, somewhere in that eighty to one twenty range. He's played a lot of college football. There were people who obviously loved his grit, his versatility, his leadership. I mean, he was. You know, he becomes something of a legend even as he battled injuries in the past, too. So, uh, you know, obviously a gutsy performance at the combine, I think, probably won him over with some people. And, you know, the Ravens, I think, are among the better teams as far as not just thinking about today. What do we need today, right? I mean, right. there's still free agency. You can still go get people, and there's undrafted free agency, and there are trade opportunities. So teams that just sit there and try to check off August needs end up having to do that every single year because they're not thinking long-term. And I like what Baltimore has done, which is, you know, you certainly have one eye on this season, but you also have an eye on the future. And these are the kind of picks like David and Jabo, like other guys, they've, they've kind of quote unquote redshirted, you know, it may turn out, it may not, but I think that approach is more smart than, than not doing that. Well, and when it, the cost is a sixth-round pick, because that's what they traded in order to get back into the seventh round, I, I'm always going to be willing to say, yes, it's worth taking that risk, right? I just, right. Eric, I'm also the guy, and it's funny because you bring up a job, but I feel the same way. I, I want to say the Ravens are super smart for doing it, and then the next question is, but why didn't other teams do it, right? Like, that's the immediate follow-up that I have in those moments, is why didn't? Did we lose uh, Yeah, we Eric? just lost him. All right, we'll play. try to get Eric back. Um, and talk a little bit more about that again. Andrew Voorhees is the offensive lineman from USC that the uh, the Ravens traded next year's sixth-round pick in order to be able to move back into the seventh round this year in order to draft him. So, um, you know, it's just it's always interesting to me in those, those moments um, what it is that the what, what the thought process is that's sort of all of always the conversation that you find yourself having let's uh get back to eric edholm from nfl.com who's with us this morning here on gcr um eric let me let me just move on a, a, besides the Voorhees thing what jumped out at you most about what the ravens did during the course of the draft yeah i thought you know i i was sort of thinking receiver corner corner might have been if i had to just sort of pick a position that i thought they might go in round one uh, i 
I thought corner might be it. Now, clearly the depth of the class probably made them feel a little bit more comfortable about uh, taking Zay first. First of all, I love Zay Flowers. He's one of my favorite receivers in this class. Um, you know, I just think they probably viewed big board and said, our, our chances of getting a receiver anywhere close to his quality after the first round with the limited allotment of picks, probably not so great. Um, and it kind of kick-started. There was a run of receivers, as you know. They yeah. were right in the thick of it there. So they probably got in exactly where they needed to uh, at, at wide out. And, and Kelly was pretty good down at the senior bowl. You know, obviously son of Brian Kelly, not LSU, but Bucks. Uh, DB, yeah. uh, got to talk to him a little bit down there, and uh, so obviously good NFL bloodline. So I thought they, I wouldn't say they got lucky. I would say they they played it very nicely, knowing that the corner depth this year was was pretty unusual. We don't usually see this many quality corners in a single draft class. Let me ask it this way: it, it, when you talk about Flowers, I see. I mean, it's insane. His tape is nuts. But there's always yeah. the factor that he's 5'9". Um, I've got some friends who say, look, I don't care. I'm, I'm not using a first-round draft pick on a 5'9 wide receiver because this is the NFL and there are only so many Steve Smiths that have ever existed in the NFL. Right. It, why yeah. isn't it more of an issue that Zay Flowers is 5'9"? Why shouldn't we be all that concerned about the fact that he is that undersized at the position? Yeah, his releases off the line are pretty good. I, th- I have a feeling he'll predominantly be a slot receiver, but I absolutely could see him, you know, two-thirds inside, one-third outside. At some point, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, from Jump Street there. But but I think eventually that's the kind of usage I could see him, you know, put him in motion, things like that. You can, you can find creative ways to give him a runway and not have him get hung up on press coverage. So, I mean, I understand it's a big man's game, and, and in a typical year, he'd probably be a second-round pick. This is one of those years where the high-end talent in this class was, I think, severely limited in some respects. Um, you know, certain positions were pretty solid, but, boy, on the whole, I just think the number of high-end blue-chip guys really pushed a lot of second-round talents up into round one, hmm. but... You know, think of him like Antonio Brown. I mean, and that's kind of the game he plays. You know, and Antonio never had much trouble. <laughs> I, I realize that's a big name and a big comp and maybe a name that people don't, you know, love to hear, but still the talent is undeniable. I really think that, you know, if, if he can take some coaching and maybe freelance a little less, sometimes he does a little too much at the line of scrimmage or, you know, it, a little wasted motion at times, but – you're right. The tape is fantastic. He did great last year with bad quarterback play at BC. So you would imagine joining Lamar and company would, would be a, a better environment You'd for him. I'd like to hope so. Um, Eric, the other guy that's, you know, it's, it's funny because like say Flowers, you want to find ways to get balls in his hand. I have a kind of a weird feeling about Trenton Simpson where everybody's talking to me about Trenton Simpson about, well, this is your post-Patrick Queen plan, right? Like this is – if you are moving on from Patrick Queen because you've just decided you can't pay that type of money to two inside linebackers, here you go. Here's yeah. the guy that slides in. Whereas when I look at his tape and I look at the things that he did, I, I don't feel like that's the correct way to go about looking at it. It seems like you want to have a Trenton Simpson on the field because you want to have the ability to line him up in a bunch of different ways and not just have to have him be sitting at the will spot playing a certain position. What is he in the NFL? That's a, that's, a, that's a really good observation you just made, which is that 
you know, he was a pretty versatile player for, for Clemson. I mean, they, they moved him around a little bit. They could walk him out to the slot. They could use him in, in an off-the-ball linebacker spot. They could use him as kind of an overhang defender, which, you know, sometimes is more of a safety type. So, obviously, he's not a big linebacker, but he's certainly got the range and athleticism to, to act as a, a big safety, if you will. So, yeah, he blitzed sometimes i mean he was he was used in a variety of ways i don't think he's a terribly instinctive player right now i think he like i i'd like to see his assignments kept a little bit simple at first sometimes you have these versatile players that played a number of roles in college and you know we have to remember for a lot of them they weren't doing this day one in in school right yes they built up to that level by year three year four whatever it was but you know, I've, I've seen teams kind of overwhelm these quote-unquote versatile rookies before, and you feel like, you know, it almost kind of negates any strength at all because they're almost playing a step slow or they're trying to process it at these, you know, and learning all these spots is really difficult in the NFL. So I might issue just a little bit of caution, but you're absolutely right. That's the kind of potential he has to be somewhat of a, a moving chess piece and you face all these up-tempo offenses. Right. You, you need as many of those as you can, right? Well, they and come at you with five wide, you're not going to be out there with your pants down at least. And, and if they come at you with heavy personnel, you know, he can shift and, and be in a position to help them out. So good player, really good athlete. I think it's probably mostly special teams year one. And, yeah. and you know, some sometime on defense, we'll see I, I, by the way, that's what I felt like they figured out the value was for Kyle Hamilton a year ago, right? It's just that that unicorn, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it, Swiss Army knife, whatever the term you want to use, proved to be why it is that he kind of figured out, oh, this kid might really be special, is because you didn't pigeonhole him and just say do one thing. It's that his versatility proved to be so freaking valuable as the season went on. Obviously, it helps to have a Roquan Smith in front of you. That's going to make everybody else better on the sure. football field. But, like, that to me – the idea of the Ravens adapting more and more of let's try to have I, I'm not trying to make it you know total football like Ted Lasso is running like but you know what I mean like the <laughs> positionless concept seems to be very yeah. intriguing based on what it is that you just said about what like look at the offenses that you're going up against look at what it is right. that you're going to have to do you might need to have a little bit more versatility on the other side of the ball. Yeah, if you have a player who, who, like Hamilton, for instance, who technically could impact your defense on all three levels, right, right? where he could be a back-end safety. If you need him to play uh, more up in the box, he certainly can do that. If you want to use him as a, a slot corner or as a pressure player or something, he has that kind of ability, too. I thought, you know, Kyle's anticipation and, and you know, football IQ skills were off the charts for, for such a young player, too, coming out. That's what – that's what made me shocked. He lasted so long, you know, relatively speaking so long. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I think with him, the Ravens felt like he's got the, the maturity to do it. He's got the intelligence to do it. You know, maybe they spoon fed him a little bit at first, but by the end of the season, the, the training wheels were way off and he was, I think one of the leaders of that defense. And his coverage was like that, that it blew your mind how comfortable he was in one-on-one yeah. -on -one coverage as the season went along. Um, Eric, yep. as far as the rest of the league is concerned, who who was it that you think their reality changed the most based on what happened yep. over the course of the NFL draft for for the short term? Like who's short term? Like I, I get it. Everybody loves what the Texans did, but like I don't think that suddenly the Texans are going to be a 10 win team this season. I think it's a it's a <laughs> tough jump to make. 
but whose reality you think changed the most based on what it is they did? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you start with the, the playoff teams who had multiple first-round picks. It's, you know, it's a little so, bit low-hanging fruit. The but, Eagles thing is disgusting. Yeah, as as the, it's disgusting. I hate well, it. I'm so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you have to look at the Eagles and say it's impressive. I wasn't as, you know, like, uh, you know, blown away by the Nolan Smith pick as some other people was. I think he's a good player. I really do. But, you know, more of a run-stopper, edge-setter than he is a true – Ben the edge pass rush guy, even with his testing, but still, just you look at their haul and you add DeAndre Swift to that mix. You, you know, the rich get richer in, in a weaker conference. That's that's the nirvana for them. So, yeah, Detroit. I know people griped about position uh, value and all that. You can't tell me Jameer Gibbs isn't going to make them better, faster, better after the catch. I mean, it just—it's the kind of guy that I think you you want to add to a Jared Goff-led offense. As many yak players as possible you know very good intermediate thrower that's the kind of thing where i think he'll line up in the slot 30 percent of the time and, and do his work there and you know kind of like james cook was last year for the for the bills so i i really like the pick and i think it, you know value you could argue J, jack campbell same thing but boy they just you kind of step back and look at their whole class and say okay so they drafted a couple of second rounders uh in first round and they drafted a couple of potential first rounders after that so i i i thought their approach was fine seattle i mean I, look i know they're not a perfectly built team in a laboratory but they have some interesting parts all of a sudden they have a remade front seven and that secondary is going to be nasty again it's like you know legion of boom part two almost we're getting to that point where this this group could be really good so you know it just it just it was really interesting how those those playoff teams obviously we knew they had the ammo but you know, they seem to get a little stronger this weekend. I think it's very fair to say. All right, uh, Eric Edholm, what's next for you now? Do you get, like, a week off or anything, or do you have to go right back into I the grind? Do. Yeah, I got my folks coming into town. Always good to see them. And uh, the kids have some stuff going on at school. we got sports and everything. So I, I'll get a little time off this weekend. I Excellent. got some grades to crank out. But, uh, yeah, May will we'll include a little bit of rest, no that, doubt about that it. That is well-earned, well-deserved for sure. At Eric underscore Edholm on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, NFL.com, where you see all of his stuff. Always appreciate you, brother. We'll be in touch. You know that. Thank you for taking the time for us. Thank you. All right, Glenn. I'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds appreciate good, it. buddy. Eric Edholm with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking the time for us. And, yeah, look, I, it, I – it's weird because I don't I, – I first – I hate draft grades, and then secondarily, I hate people complaining about draft grades. It's pro wrestling. I, if somebody wants to do it, God bless them, right? Like, put out a draft. It's, it's irrelevant. It means nothing. But go ahead and do it. Eric Edholm really likes what the Lions did. Plenty of people think it's insane. Somebody's right, but we won't know, and that's the reality of it. Um, I, I, have, I have an easier time saying, let's look at the rosters, now because for the most part the rosters are now set there's free agency there's the draft yes there will still be a couple of pieces that will pop up between now and then the Ravens will add a corner at some point of course remember a year ago at this time we thought the Ravens would add a wide receiver they never got around to that there will be pieces that will still be put in place between now and the start of the season but for the most part we're through the part of the offseason that's real. So I have no problem now taking a 
a a bigger overall look at where everybody's rosters are. It's one thing for everybody to tell me and and shower and heap praise on the Atlanta Falcons for what they did in the draft. All well and good. Give them A++++++ if that's what you'd like to do. You know what I would like to do? Have a quarterback. So for me, when I look at the Falcons today, I say, yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. You can tell me that there's there's something there and that maybe if a year from now they're able to find a quarterback, they can do something with it. Or you can even tell me that, hey, the NFC South kind of stinks, so even without a quarterback, there's some world in which you might be able to be competitive enough with a good running game and you know Desmond Ritter can throw the ball to London and Pitts and hope like you can try to sneak through and squint but you're not going to try to come up with a way in which the Falcons can win a Super Bowl. They can't. They don't have a quarterback. Unless again Desmond Ritter is so wildly different than what we saw a year ago that there's just no world in which we can predict it. So you guys can break down the draft and say here's who I think did a good job in the draft. I'm going to look at rosters. I'm going to look and say here's the teams that I think and it's tough for me. I would say I think the Steelers, like this is the this is the brutal part. I think the Steelers are fortifying their ability to continue being a threat as long as Kenny Pickett can at least be good. I think there is a limit to how good Kenny Pickett can be, and that ultimately probably will prevent them from being a threat to break through a brutal AFC but I think they're capable of picking off more games and being competent and being competitive because of how talented a roster they have. And I think that's noteworthy. If the Ravens play in the AFC South, who cares that the Steelers can be a little bit more competitive? But because they play in the same division, I think it's a reminder that it's not going to be easy to go in and win games against the Steelers next year. Even though I don't think they're a threat to do anything still. Because until we see the next level for Kenny Pickett, until we see Kenny Pickett raise his game to a point where you say, okay, add him to the list. The guy that I saw a year ago was a gamer, right? Like he had moxie. There were things that you saw in Kenny Pickett where you're like, uh-oh, is that Ben? Uh-huh. We yeah, talked about it a yeah. lot. But there's still a massive difference between that and wildly productive, you know. Super Bowl winning. Correct. Yeah. There's still a difference between guy that has moxie. And I get it, he was a rookie. So like, you know, give him time, he might prove that he can be that guy. Until he does, I can't assume it. I don't know who I would tell you that I thought changed their reality significantly. I, as far as this season alone is concerned. It's it's tough because in the, the NFC, you're just like, yeah, but you don't have a quarterback. So, like, what does it matter? But I get it only somebody's got to win the NFC. Like, it does have to happen. And maybe adding a to the point that he just made, maybe if Geno Smith can back up what he did a year ago, the Seahawks can be a threat to win the NFC. You add in Jackson Smith and Jigba. You add in Devin, yeah. Devon Weatherspoon. Witherspoon. Devin Weatherspoon. I don't know who that person is that I just made up. Old Devin Weatherspoon. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. You add in those guys, maybe you've got enough to legitimately have a chance to win the NFC because the league is so or the conference is so down. Maybe. I can't say otherwise. Jeremy Kahn's gonna join us in just a second. 
it is a Monday edition of GCR. No, we can take a break afterwards. It's yeah. fine. We we're we're sure. we're doing we're doing just fine in that department. Um, today's show is also brought to you by AJ Michaels, expert and award-winning AJ Michaels heating, AC, plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. AC season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Continue along here on a Monday edition of the program. Every Monday we catch up with our buddy from the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, ConcreteLocks.com, and of course his picks at PressBoxOnline.com as well. He's our friend Jeremy Kahn, and he's with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Well, things are good, man. Uh, overall, good weekend. Yesterday wasn't great for me, but uh, I had a really good month I, of I, April. I saw so. you. Didn't didn't you share something now that you like hit something significant? What didn't I? Well, well, on Saturday I won. Like uh, I had a par, I had two different parlays. One for one was for about eight hundred bucks, seven hundred bucks, something like that. But the big one was for thirty three hundred. And um, I was talking about that game in Mexico, and I was telling people like you should be parlaying home run props with the total in the game on Saturday. And that's what I did. And I just missed like, uh, I mean, hitting a ton. If uh, I had Jock Peterson hitting a home run, if he hit a home run, it would have like, it would have changed. would have been some life changing money there. Um, Yeah, it was, it was crazy, but it didn't happen. But you could see like they hit 12 home runs in the game. Machado hit two. Right. Um, If you would, if you'd have parlayed like three or four of the top six in that Padres lineup, I mean, you could have you could have bet a hundred bucks and probably won twenty five, thirty grand. Well, but I'm so you you hit a three thousand dollar bet, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty. It was, sig- a, it was on a hundred dollar bet. Okay, but that's pretty significant, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like I know yeah. in your world, you're like, eh, if it's not eighty nine thousand dollars, doesn't register for me. Like no, but no normal person is out hitting a three thousand dollar parlay this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I, I realize it doesn't happen for everyone, but it was nice. So. <laughs> Look at the no, the no sell that you're delivering me on this. <laughs> Utterly no selling it. All right. Um. <laughs> well, I, you know, look, it's it's ha- like it's it's something that a lot of people hit these long shot parlays, and they're really difficult to hit. I just thought the odds were ever in your favor, if you will, um, to to bet and parlay those home run. Uh, I mean, you could have even done it with hits. You could have done it with someone with a total bases, someone to get two hits, you know, like there's all different ways to put it in there. But when you have such an offensive outpour, the yeah. potential of it, I think it makes total sense. I didn't, I didn't know what the state, I didn't know anything about the stadium out there. Like is, what are the dimensions for the Mexico stadium? So it's course field on steroids. It's 2000 feet higher yeah. than course field. Yeah. So, um, it, the ball carries and then on top of it, I mean, it's, it's a band box. It would be smaller than almost every single uh, baseball stadium in the majors. Um, that makes sense. That's a well. That's well thought out. I wish I would have thought yeah. about it ahead of time. It's on me. I failed there, and you came through big time. All right. Uh, before we get into a real conversation, two things. One, there was a story that I saw going around Twitter that when I saw it, I assumed you had to be the one that tweeted it out, but it wasn't actually you. Are you familiar um, with what happened at the uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic uh, Orchestra performance this weekend? Um, I don't think so. I thought you were going to go to the Lakers game with the guy that said, uh, um, the, the halftime, uh, where it was the contest to make a, sh- he had to score a certain amount of, Oh buckets. yeah, I thought and that's where you were going with it. He didn't bother to that shoot. That was great. Yeah, that yeah. was great. So if you haven't seen this yeah. video, it's actually, it is a wild ride for you. 
There is a video of someone who's picked out of the crowd, and the point, like, you get 10 points for a three-pointer, yeah. like, three points for a free throw, you know, two points for a jumper, something like that, and you got to get 10 points in 30 seconds. And the kid... Yeah, so so the deal is you get three points for a free throw, so you'd have to hit four free throws in 30 seconds or make right. one three-pointer. Okay, that's what that's it is. That's basically it. So the yeah. kid just sits there and does nothing, and the clock's running, and he's just, like, hyping up the crowd, and you're like, does he know that the clock is... They're trying to tell him the clock's running, and so he waits, and at the buzzer, he tries a three... And you're like, oh, the reason why this video is being shared out is because it's the greatest moment in history. The kid hits the three at the buzzer. You're like building up to that moment. Wow, I can't believe it. What a stud. And I'm going to let you go find out if that's the case or not. I'm going to let you go search right now to figure out if that's actually what happened. No, uh, that wasn't the only interesting thing that happened in Los Angeles this weekend. Um, This comes from the Los Angeles Times, obviously a newspaper of record. Concert goer lets out a blank four words while L.A. Philharmonic plays Tchaikovsky's fifth. Concert goer lets out a blank four words while L.A. Philharmonic plays Tchaikovsky's fifth. Why do I feel like this is an animal and it's not a fart like I'm thinking? Or uh, um, would it be like a loud, obnoxious, wet fart? You got, be the- you got one word correct. It is The first word is loud. Concert goer okay. lets out a loud blank, 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 while L.A. Philharmonic plays Tchaikovsky's Fifth. I don't know. I haven't seen this, so this this is really. I don't know if this makes for great radio. If, I'm, oh. if I just keep guessing, I kind of uh, like it when you guess. I kind of like this. Is what I used to do this to Kyle all the time. Is and it a burp? It's not a burp. Was it an animal? It was not an animal. It was a person. Oh. Scream, um, not a scream. Damn, what what is it? Uh, uh, by author Christy Karras, staff writer for the L.A. Times. Molly Grant was enjoying the Los Angeles Philharmonic's performance of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony on Friday at the Walt Disney Concert Hall when she heard what she described as a quote scream slash moan unquote erupt from the balcony. Everyone kind of turned to see what was happening. Grant, who was seated near the person who allegedly made the noise, told the Times. She said she let out a loud, full-body orgasm. Oh, the very four nice. words. A loud, full-body orgasm. Really into the performance. Like the chick from uh, Porky's, right? Yes, exactly uh, was- right. It's exactly like the chick from Porky's. Yeah. Which, of course, is the... The first time in history, the first time in history that Tchaikovsky's fifth and Porky's have been used in the same sentence. Yeah, so I mean, they're very like I, I believe like one of uh, Tchaikovsky's uh, signature songs was written like I and believe, Porky's was based on. I believe off of. that's correct. I think you're right yeah. about that. Yeah, I think it was called Ball Breaker. All yeah. right. The other thing I, I had, then we can actually talk a little bit about sports. Uh, ben Cardin is apparently retiring from the set, Senate. So wrong answers only. Who should be the next senator from the state of Maryland? Oh, state of Maryland. Yeah. Um, can I say Justin Slagle from ninety eight Rock? I think that would be. I, like, I think that would be a good choice. I think that was yes. gonna be, that would be a very good choice. I was gonna go with Coleman, so I think that's a slightly better Ooh, answer. I think that's a angry. slightly yes. He would be very very angry at everything during the course of debate. Um, hey, be some very interesting gerrymandering. Then. Hey. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
play on words. Well done. Well done, sir. Um, okay. Spelled differently. I think it's time. I don't think Dean Kramer should make his next start. I think the games are too important. I think you've got a month's worth of evidence. It doesn't matter to me what he did a year ago. It doesn't matter to me that you don't necessarily have a great alternative option. I think a baseball team that is trying to win and the games are important for should be able to say, nah, you can't have a month worth of starts where the only you had one redeemable start and it happened to be against maybe the worst offense in baseball and say that's enough for you You're to You're letting keep them it. work through it, right? Yeah, you, um, sorry, you cut out. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what – like, they have options. They have different uh, guys that they could throw into the rotation. You could – I haven't even looked to what Cole Irvin doing in the minor league. He, recently, he had a but, good start on Saturday, but he had been really bad before that. Is it just him finding his his pitch rhythm and, and, and being able to, to paint the corners like he had before? Is that the only issue? Uh, I don't have that answer, unfortunately. I don't know that with yeah. certainty. Uh, for the record, I'm trying to pull up exactly. If what you're ready like. to move, he's pitched move Kramer down. Then, then he, yeah, then I, I I get it. I get it from from how he's pitched. All right, let's see if we can't figure that out with Jeremy, so he's not cutting in and out. If he can't, he can't. It's all good. We we accomplished hey, really all we were yeah, going to yeah, accomplish with Jeremy. Jeremy. That's uh that's all well and good. Jeremy Khan, 105.7 The Fan, The Big Bag Morning Show, of course. Concrete Lock, C O N N concretelocks.com hey, as well as his picks every day at pressboxonline.com okay? with us here on GCR is perhaps he's traveling yeah, yeah, yeah. to the to the now. beach or something I'm not I'm not exactly sure what's going on uh with Jeremy this morning but if we can make it work we'll make it work if not we're going to give it a sh- we're going to give it another shot we're going to give it an- this is called live play by play of producing is what I'm doing, which you knew anyway because Griffin forgot to turn his microphone off. So you heard all of that anyway, no matter what. Good thing he didn't let out that loud full-body orgasm during the course Which of often that. happens when I talk to yeah, Jeremy. That was, uh, you know what? You and I both, my friend. Uh, Jeremy Kahn back with us here on uh, – I was about to say on 105.7 The Fan. No, not on 105.7 The Fan, on GCR. Um, <laughs> look, I, I get it. I, and it, this is the price. So Cole Irvin, for the record, his numbers are – other than, you know, despite the fact that he had a good start – in three starts in AAA, 4.24 ERA, uh, 1.59 whip since he's been sent back down. Like, he has not gone down and gotten everything figured out. Uh, to me, it's a question of, are we in kind of like an S or get off the pot situation with D.L. Hall right now? We're like, okay, you sent him back down so you could stretch him out. You stretched him out. He hasn't been overwhelming, but he hasn't been bad either. At some point, you've got to figure out if he is a starter or if you just need to put him in the bullpen. Isn't this the opportunity for you to do that now and address the Dean Kramer problem? Yeah, I don't dislike that idea. I mean, from everything we've been told, most people have said they believe D.L. Hall eventually ends up in the bullpen some right. way, somehow. But, you know, I do love the fact that a lot of these guys are wearing failed starter T-shirts now. Um, that's kind of an awesome thing I that's going like on that around too. baseball. But, yep. but yeah, I, I, I think you could put D.L. Hall in there and be fine. I, I like I just to me it's not a I know that it's going to be the answer I think I'm with you I think ultimately I believe DL Hall's a, a bullpen arm as well but this is your call you were the ones that sent him down to AAA like I, you got to see it you got to get your answer you got to figure out if you know what's going on so that would be what I would do and I like I they could say hey let's let him make one more start this week against the Royals because the Royals stink. But what what answer is that going to give you? Even if Dean Kramer pitches redeemably, uh, redeemably against the Royals, are you going to suddenly feel confident when you got to throw him against the Yankees? Like I, I just I, I don't know, man. I think at some point you have to, as an organization, make a statement that you get a month, you get a month 
to say, I deserve to be here. And if you don't, we got to move on. And we're a month in, and there's one good start this season. I kind of don't care what he did last year at this point. And, and I'm in the same boat with you. Like I, I, we we can't we can't keep falling in love with players and just saying, oh, it's okay, they'll get past this, or oh, what what about what he did for us when we were bad? Like you're at this point now where you're expected to compete and possibly make the playoffs. And yes. To the point, everybody keeps talking about the Orioles' records. Like, oh, they haven't played anyone, even though their record uh, or their schedule is almost identical to the Rays. But the Rays have a a better track record. If Dean Kramer is not pitching well against bad teams, and granted, some of the bad teams, they could be really good offensively and have bad pitching. I understand that. But we faced the Royals. We faced the A's. Even the White Sox, who were all beat up. You faced all these teams that stink out loud, and he's struggling. It's not a great sign, as you put it, when you start to face the Blue Jays, the Yankees more, um, even any of the top-tier teams out west, too. That's where I am. That's absolutely where I am with him. Otherwise, everything's good. Every, otherwise, all good. Yeah. It just just that stands out significantly to me. Um, you're, horrible pitching. Yeah, right. I, I I can't believe this is. It's so funny how the biggest story of the offseason just kind of got swept. Like it it happened and then it was gone because a moment later the Ravens were selecting players in the NFL draft. Right. Like I can't believe we're past yeah. that. I, I I don't even know how to talk about. Like, Lamar, I, I tried doing it today. I wrote a column about, like, how do you measure success for the next five years for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? So I'm going to give that to you because I attempted. I took a stab at it after somebody asked me in an interview last week. How do you measure success over the next five years given what the Ravens paid to get Lamar Jackson to stick around? So I think uh, when you look at Lamar, it's, it's probably going to come down to winning the Super Bowl or not, right? Or having what we deem to be a very successful season as far as um, statistics. Like, is he getting to AFC championships? Is he winning? You know, is he winning playoff games? I think that's how you judge it. But ultimately, you want a guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl. So I think I'm not saying it's the end all be all for him that defines whether or not this is successful. Because I rather agree with what um, Giannis said with the whole point of like right. not every season that doesn't get to a championship is a failure. Sure. You, you've got goals. You've got things you're not going to meet, but I don't think you deem 31 other teams in the league failures because they didn't win. Um, but ultimately when you've paid him this type of money, you're expecting him to take you to the promise. And I think that it's fair to say that's the goal, the goal of the plan, like everything that they don't do this. if they don't think Lamar Jackson will win them a Super Bowl. But I, I, I am, it is funny that you bring up the Giannis comparison. It's really hard to win a Super Bowl too, and like look around. Not all of these guys are gonna end up winning Super Bowls. Like they, it, it can't happen. All of these stud quarterbacks in the AFC: Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson. Unless each of them wins one over the next five years, and it seems very likely because you know Patrick Mahomes didn't die, um, and at some point an NFC team might end up winning a Super Bowl, although it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look great at the moment, but. It, Held the Eagles nearly won one this year. I, somebody's not going to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. I can't guarantee the Ravens will win one. I do think it's imperative. Yeah. If they're not a better playoff football team over the course, if they have one playoff win over the next five years, you've got your answer. It was a failure. Like, it's there's no getting around it. It was a failure, this experiment, if they win one playoff game over the next five years. But I, it's hard for me to say win a Super Bowl or it's a failure because, you know, like, a lot of Philip Rivers never won a Super Bowl. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Like Philip Rivers never even got there. Um, like really good quarterbacks have not won Super Bowls in the past. I can't make it as simple as Super Bowl or bust. Yeah, I, and and that's why like I, I feel like 
ultimately people are going to say it, it's got to be getting to the Super Bowl or winning it. But um, I think that's like I think that's how most people are going to feel. And that's why I kind of I if he gets you there, I think it's successful. But like again, it's it's how much better is he getting throughout the course of all this? Are they are they winning playoff games, which a lot of people put right on the quarterback for some reason? I don't agree with that. You are. Obviously, cornerback is now the thing that jumps out. Is there anything else that immediately you find to be concerning about this Ravens roster now that we're through all of the significant parts of the offseason? No, I think corner's that, but they have money now with the Lamar signing to go out and re-sign somebody. Uh, you know, obviously, Rocky Sin's names come up, and, of course, the return of Marcus Peters is a possibility. They also have options, depending on what happens with Patrick Queen today, could they move him if they right. – so I don't know that they will, but – um, you know, it's all, it's also a possibility with, uh, how they drafted and ultimately the writing was on the wall. They were never going to be able to pay two uh, two inside linebackers, that type of money that Roquan Smith got, or even something close to it. It just, it doesn't make sense in this, in this day and age, in this league to pay that type of money. I'm still a little bit more concerned about edge rush than I feel like other people are. I feel like I, the, if this team is going to try to win a Super Bowl. I still think, and I get it. I don't think it's going to come from the outside. I don't think you can find that help at this point. But I don't, I don't know that you can win a Super Bowl without one of these guys finally emerging as like a legitimate, high-level quality edge rusher. Whether that's Oway finally putting it together, a Jabo in his second season making that step up. I think that's the thing that kind of quietly has gone under the radar. I don't know that you can win a Super Bowl without that happening. Well, the, the funny thing with, with all those things that you're, you're adding up, I mean, this, this team actually, weren't they top 10 in sacks last year? And it was, but I agree with everything you're saying. Like, I, I think at the end of the season, didn't they, they had a ton of, or they had more sacks than the 49ers or some, so there, there was some oddity to their numbers. But didn't you kind of feel like, I don't want to say they were all team sacks, meaning like the defense is doing what they're supposed to, or coverage sacks, if you will. But um, it is kind of weird not to have one or two guys that you want to be out there a majority of the time and then spell them when they need breaks. Um, you know, they and maybe a is the guy. Maybe we didn't just get to see enough of them. Last right, year. right, correct. I think it's totally possible that a Jabo can be that guy. And again, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think that answer is coming. I think this will go back to the Yannick, Yannick and Gakway season, where like you're going to go give these guys a shot. And then you're going to have to address it at the trade deadline if you're not getting the production that you need. I think it has to start with these are the guys. You spent a lot of resources there. You've got to give these shot guys a shot to do it and then deal with it then. I think it's got to be somebody from this group that you're looking at. Is there anybody, anybody else? I know you're not like obsessed with the draft the way some people are. Was there anything else that happened over the course of the last four days that like you'd really it caught your eye, like made you say, I'm going to feel differently about this team because of this? No, I, uh, you know, like I, I get caught up in the, um, so the, when you look at what Atlanta did, um, you know, dra- like drafting who I think is the best player in the draft, like it caught my eye because they've got some good running backs there as it is, and they were a decent running team last year. And I know some things are changing, um, but they did the exact opposite of what we thought. And then eventually seeing what the Eagles got at running back in DeAndre Swift, and if he can stay healthy in that offense, that caught my eye The Philly having basically the Georgia front line and uh, some of the moves they made. But I don't think there was anything like outside of like some of the trade talk that went on, the possibilities, the Hopkins stuff. I was listening to that, but I don't think there was anything that really blew my mind. Uh, I mean, the Lions, when they drafted a running back, but they also had a trade in mind, they were moving on from DeAndre Swift. So um, 
that becomes intriguing because a lot of people think the Lions are going to win that division. Uh, right now, I, I, there it's as open an opportunity as I think. The, I like the Bears more than people do too. I I know there's some questions and the defense. There's some shaky. I I just I don't know. I I love what Justin Fields did. Now give him an actual wide receiver. I think there's an opportunity for them to be more explosive than people realize that they can be. I don't know. I like the Bears more than other people do, and part of it is just the division is so down that why can't they end up coming through with a couple more wins this year? All right, what's yeah. going on with the show this week? Uh, well, I'm heading to Jamaica on Wednesday, so what they can what's figure out whatever the hell they going on in Jamaica. You going to that, that nudist colony? Is that what you're doing down there? Well, hopefully. Uh, but, again, I, I will be the sore thumb. You'll be able to find that needle in that haystack. <laughs> um, it's more like a thimble than anything. Uh, but, yeah, if I'm out there with a bunch of naked Jamaicans, You'll definitely be able to Wait, find is me. This, is this the trip that like they, that didn't happen before? Yeah. Like, this is the makeup for the disaster. Yeah, it's uh, for uh, we were on the plane and the, the trip got canceled. So, as I've said, we went to see Jamaica's cousin Philadelphia that yes. weekend yes. as a hurricane Just dropped down in Florida. Yeah, right as we were getting ready to fly out. So, uh, But this is the makeup. So, we're going to Negril. Um, staying at a, I don't, I don't a think you're. Casino. I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore on the radio, Jeremy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you, you can know. say that. Oh, okay. Right. We switched it up from Montego Bay. Secret to Montego Bay, where uh, Jan got tan and Michael right. uh, had their little vacation getaway. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. Tan all day, Jan all oh, day. Oh man, you know. that is good. That is good. Well, enjoy it, my friend. Enjoy the trip. When you, when it, how long are you staying down there? Uh, for a week and. Uh, you know, I, I'm what we'll see what it's like when I'm done. I did get to see. I wanted to tell you, I saw John Wick Four this weekend. Ooh, ooh. I, okay, so I have not watched John Wick Four yet. It's good. It's fun. It's there's it, probably I mean, about uh, like a 300 people that get killed in this movie. That's the point. <laughs> that's that's all I need. That's all I. Need. You know what drives me nuts, right? Like when we enjoy something. And somebody's like, "Well, do we really want more of that?" Yes, is the answer. I had okay. This is gonna sound like a nerdy thing. I was the only guy on the plane that didn't love the idea of Maryland going back to the script Terps football helmet because I'm like, have you seen the flag? It's awesome. And I had a bunch of people say to me, like, (laughs) I'm over the flag. And I said, could you imagine, like, imagine going back and being like, I know Mila Kunis is really attractive, but I've just seen a lot of her, so I think I'm good. I can I can check out on Mila Kunis now. Yeah, give me Lena Dunham. Right. Like, the stupidity of that, like, it's great. Imagine somebody saying, well, it's just basically the same thing as the other movie. Great! That's why I watch them! I watch them because I want to watch John Wick kill everybody. That's the point of the franchise. Like him rolling over somebody, wrapping them with his leg, shooting four other people, and then blowing that guy's brains out. It's like, Yes! Correct. Give me more. Give me more. more I can't of get that. tired of seeing this. Meanwhile, I've got you okay, so I know you don't watch succession. Are you are you into Barry at all? Do you watch Barry? Yeah. Okay. I've watched everything. Are you caught Except up on last night? Oh, okay. I, I don't want to give anything away from last night. This season has been so weird, so yeah. weird, and so dark that I got to be honest, I might actually be out on this season of Barry. I, oh, no. So, you know what they said about last season was that they were writing it, and then when it went in that weird direction... They just—they didn't know where they were going to take it. They, I, I guess they were kind of surprised at the popularity of the show. It has felt that way. It has felt that way this season. And I—I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not really what I want from Barry. Like it's—I mm, don't. I really want to have this conversation. When, are you planning on watching this? The last night's episode today? Yeah, today. Okay. Yeah. Text me afterwards. I want to talk about. Okay. It. 
I want to talk about what it feels like they're trying to do with Barry. And that's just your way of getting some alone time with me when well, everybody's that, not listening. That, that is a fact, by the way, because you're a jerk. And you, every time I text anymore, I say you up and you're like, no, I have to wake up at 5 a.m. I'm not up. And I'm like, what? Thanks yeah, I'm a never lot. Up. Thanks a no. lot. Thanks a lot, pal. I appreciate it. <laughs> at Jeremy Con 1057 on Twitter, ConcreteLocks.com. ConcreteLocks.com. Go check it out right now. Appreciate you, pal. Thanks for doing it. Thanks, man. I'll see you. All right. Let him go. Let him go. Here's my problem. It's they're trying to they've suddenly turned oh, Barry, Barry into okay. they've suddenly turned it into Breaking Bad. It's not the same show that it was. They're missing they they still every now and then will have something pain spitting or, or what am I trying to say? Painstakingly funny. Like the um the, the, the guy on the radio saying, Yeah, it's just a bunch of guys in Chargers hats. Oddly one of them's wearing a Houston Oilers hat. I'm not really sure what that's all about. Like there will still be and like the song selection in certain situations, like Bitch by Meredith Brooks out of nowhere being the song that turns comes like Sounds those good. those things can are still funny, but they've lost their way a little bit and yes i think bill Hader has proven what a genius actor he is but i'd said this about bill Hader for some time what made the first few seasons of barry so good was it tapped into that donald duck having a vietnam nightmare thing that he did on saturday night live where it made you realize like oh my god this guy can do things that other people can't do the way that he was walking in the line of painfully funny and yet terribly serious character was magical they've lost it they've turned it into a a, you know a, a breaking bad show they've lost the point of it which is that here's the best way i can describe it the comedy was coming from how detached so many of the characters were from the reality of their circumstances okay right like that's what made it so funny was like the outlandishness of the, the, the first give, couple, first give, two seasons. Given the circumstances, everybody, they've just detached the whole show from reality now. There's no, there's nothing to ground it. The characters were still grounded. They were still struggling actors. They were still poor. They were still, it was grounded so you understood how detached they were from reality, right? Like you understood how absurdly silly certain things were because you had a reality by which to ground it. You've now completely removed every element of reality from this show. It is theater of the absurd. So you can't have subtle absurdities that give you the comedy back because all of it is absurd. There's nothing, there's no reality involved any longer. It's completely run amok. The show is utterly off the rails and it's not to say it's bad i don't think it's bad it's just the wrong show it was a funny show that was what made it different than other shows like this it was hilarious like when the when the opening that quick open would hit right I always talk about the power of the succession open right like it's a banger when you hear that piano like it haunts you you're like, and you almost start jamming along, right? The power of the Barry Open was the utter silliness that you could present in the open, use it to sell the joke, right? Like, bam, 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 you know, the whole thing, right? And then it was over quickly and right back into the silliness. I don't know where the, like, the silliness is supposed to be now. I have no idea what's supposed to be silly. It's a 
crime thriller is all it is. And that's fine, and those are plenty of good shows that are like that, but the comedy is largely gone. You have to try to find it now, the actual comedy involved. Noho Hank is a completely different character. I mean, utterly different character. That's what I was assuming. I mean, I'm not caught up, but that's what I was assuming that you were referring to, is that he's become too much, or he's... He's, he's not silly like he's not you don't you're not bringing the silly out of him the way that you need to. That was Noho Hank was one of the best characters in a day in which comedy is so difficult. Like there are so few good comedies anymore, like really good comedies. There's passing comedies. I I don't mind what is the American Auto show on NBC. It's fine, it's passable, but it's not. There's so few really good comedies. By doing Barry the way that they did it, they turned it into this great comedy because they were presenting the comedy in a different type of way. They were using the absurdity of the characters in order to have this levity. Noho Hanks sitting on the bus while it's being lit on fire and, you know, talking about how he's... It's it's hilarious. Well, the good- It's utterly hilarious. But this season... Where's the comedy supposed to be coming from? Well, the good news, or maybe bad, I guess, is that this. I think this is the final season. I think it confirmed. is. Yeah, the final yeah, season. So, I just so I, the what Jeremy they'll ju- stop doing this. What Jeremy just said, st- like I, I had not read that before. It feels they didn't know where they were going, so they went a direction, and now they have to operate off of that, and it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to come back. It is nearly impossible to go back because now everyone knows who Barry is so you miss so much of the comedy was in his double life right so much of the comedy was him trying to do both things at the same time you can't do that any longer everyone knows who he is so I think they're struggling to figure out where to get the comedy in there's subtleties like there are things that have been okay but I've been disappointed not because it's been a bad show because it's not the same show. It's a very different show, and it's not what I liked about it when I first started getting into it. So you're saying I shouldn't just I should shouldn't even start season four? No, I mean no. I, I okay. I'm still gonna watch. Right. Like it's I'm still gonna tune in. Well, yeah, I, just, I mean you gotta finish because you got like three episodes left. But is it really only three episodes? I think there's only eight in the season. So what oh, are they at five or six already? Something like that. No, I think this was a, I don't know what this was. I think this was the fourth of the oh, season. Okay. Well, I can double check. Word. All right, um, when we come back in, we will get a tidbit. We'll get tubular, and we will wind things down. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. If you're betting baseball on your phone, I hope you've been taking advantage of all the great offers that are out there, like $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. But the only way to sign up is to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and click on the DraftKings link. It is a Monday edition of GCR. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. That first sip, that first bite, mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on the Monday edition of the program. Again, um, we'll get the answer today on whether or not Patrick Queen's fifth-year option will be picked up. I can't fathom that after... The dodginess of the last couple days, they're just going to turn around and on the final day pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. But I also come back to, like, why not? Like, that's the part I don't understand. If you were trading him, fine. Let that be someone else's issue. But if you're not trading him, why don't you pick up his fifth-year option? The money for one year does not seem like it's going to be the same. I can't – I'm very confused as to why you wouldn't pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. Like – I can kind of get it in D.C., where Chase Young has been wildly disappointing to the point that he's not really worth that money. And you can say, look, if he happens to have an explosive season this year, we can always you know, use the tag on him and we can kind of go from there. Patrick Queen, you'd be moving on from him just because you decide you can't pay him the money long term. I get it. But for one year, is that the difference maker? 
particularly when it presents you the opportunity to have one more year to try to trade him in this process. Weird. Just just weird to me that that would be a choice that you would make to not pick up somebody's options. Some, $12 million in, in a cap it, hit next it, year. It's not... It's that's not so overwhelming to me that again that'd be of course twenty twenty four right like that's not a, such an overwhelming figure to me that I say well that, that's that's the difference in whether or not your team can work out you're willing to take on potentially ten million dollars worth of dead money on Odell Beckham and you're not willing to take on twelve million dollars on Patrick Queen for an off ball linebacker I mean I, you, I understand what you're saying I'm saying one is a scenario where Odell Beckham's not on your team and you're signing up for ten million dollars worth of dead money on your cap. For somebody who's not playing for you. But if he can have a direct impact this season and they they make a run at a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, then that seems pretty Yes, but worth you're presenting it. a scenario where either you're winning the Super Bowl or it wasn't worth it, which is an insane way of looking at things. I think it was worth it, but you can't compare the two things. If Patrick Queen's $12 million next year is the end-all, be-all for your ability to compete... I think there are far bigger problems. I get that you're saying it probably won't won't work out long term. We're going to need to spread the money around. But to who? Who is that money going to next year that it can't go to Patrick Queen? Who's the next guy that's coming up for a contract that you have to get signed immediately? Because it ain't Kyle Hamilton. It ain't Tyler Linderbaum. That's not next year. It's... I get it. Your defensive line is mostly guys that are coming up on contracts, but who's the guy right now that you're willing to commit to big money for? Matabike, maybe. Right. Like I, I, you know, I, maybe. I mean, they got Trenton Simpson now, so maybe they're they got to groom him to it, take it, over the role next year, the, and then they can things, use this. These things are that money goes towards Odell. Mm. And, or another receiver next year when they're probably in the same scenario where they're looking for a veteran receiver to add. That would be more logical like in a world where you think there's a free agent wide receiver. The problem is there's so few free agent, true free agent wide receivers that are actually worth spending money on mm-hmm. that it's very difficult for me to even consider the concept. Like, is that the money you think you have to pay to keep you know, J.K. Dobbins around in the future? I, I, for one year... Twelve million dollars for a good football player, I'm, I'm utterly confused by. And again, with the opportunity for you to just trade him, if you think the money is a problem, just trade the guy. Just trade him. You don't have to take on the whole twelve million dollars. Maybe there's just not even a market for him. You mean before next year? Before yes, the start that's of what I'm year? saying. Before next year, you trade him. I, if it, the only reason to me to not pick up a player's fifth-year option is if they're so bad that you know you don't want them on your football team. This is the point of picking somebody in the first round, is you have the ability to have this extra year to do whatever you want to do with it. If they're a disaster, then you move on, right? You know, you just say, you get you get next year to try to prove that you can be a football player, I mean, which is kind of what Chase, the Chase Young thing is in Washington. Dude, it's been a disaster, so they're saying, look, if you want to prove that you can play football, by all means, go to play football. But we are not convinced that you're that guy. So we'll have the backup plan. If you prove to be a guy, we'll tag you. We'll deal with it then. But at the moment, it's kind of a bad bet for us to think that you're going to be that guy. Of course, Chase Young was also 
what, the number three overall pick? Two in that, or three. Something like yeah. that. So that number is even more significantly higher in that fifth-year option. I don't know what Chase Young's number would have been, but I'm going to guess it would have been 15, 16 million, something like that. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not, believe it or not, I'm not Young. following. He he is on the hook for, well, yes, it's a decline. It was 17. 17 million dollars. Yeah. So I get that. 17 million dollars for someone who's done basically nothing. That makes sense. Again, so I'm sure there are people in D.C. that were still like, yeah, but I probably would have picked it up because I got to hope that he becomes yeah. that guy. Like, I bet there were still people that think that they should have, but I can at least understand it. Twelve That's $17 million for someone who's done nothing versus $12 million for someone who's a good football player that, again, even if you think you can't keep long-term because of just the way that you're going about handling your budget for your football team, it buys you another year to try to make the best decision about the asset that you have in order to be able to benefit your football team. I mean, I guess as long as they're confident that they could, you know, flip him for a seventh round pick before taking the hit next year, if if it doesn't, like, if he has a, you know, a season that they, they aren't happy with. What that, a like, disastrous like a Chuck Clark, season? Like a Chuck Clark trade, like they were able to just offload kind of the Chuck, Chuck Clark I mean, if he has a disastrous season, it's harder to get somebody to take on $12 million. But assuming that he's going to have a disastrous season, where would that come from? Well, I don't know, but that, that's obviously the holdup for why they wouldn't have... I, that's not obviously the holdup. I mean, they. Like, I, I think they, they probably don't see as much value in him as they did when they picked him 28th overall. And I, What? What? I don't understand what you're saying. He's an off-ball linebacker, and they're going right, to be on the hook for $12 million when they have already paid Roquan $20 million a year. I understand that. This is why you're not going to give him another contract. That part makes sense. For one year, you've got to tell me why it doesn't make sense. They're going to have $32 million owed to middle linebackers? For one year. For one year, yeah. Yes. Tell me how you're spending that money otherwise. Wide receivers. Oh, who? Or, or the offensive line. I, I don't have names. That's the problem. Yeah. It's just for this hypothetical, maybe the money could be spent elsewhere. Like, Go find some Maybe. Names. Maybe it could. But overwhelmingly, those guys don't get the free agency. So tell me who. Michael you, Thomas will be a free agent next year because he's on a one-year deal. Great. Great. You go spend your money on Michael Thomas. You go make sure you have $12 million to spend on someone that nobody wanted to spend $3 million on this year. Mike Evans. At thirty, at thirty-one, yep. the, just they nothing but a slew of thirty-two-year-old wide receivers moving. Corey forward Davis will be twenty-nine. I did love Corey Davis once upon a time. You I get you with that one, Corey Davis. There was a time. This is what we do. Jerry Judy. Sure. I, I, if Jerry Judy got to free agency, I'd love to spend money on Jerry Judy. What do you think the chances of Jerry Judy getting to free agency are? We'll see. We'll see how. No, no, we'll no. see if what Russ turns chances, it around and they blame it on the Jerry. Of, they got to blame it on Judy or what Russ. What do you think the chances of Jerry Judy getting to free agency are? Uh, not extremely high. No. No. But maybe they make out a trade. Work out a trade. Yeah, know. maybe. Maybe that's the case. The queen for Judy. Again, if that was, if something like that was an option, let's talk about it. DJ Chark. And I get the concept of not giving him another contract. I understand that. But for one year, and $12 million is not such an outrageous number that suddenly I say to myself, well, you, you just you can't even do it for one year. For one year, you can do that. Now, I would rather have a stud edge rusher to spend the money on. There you go. Don't get me wrong. Another, another you have no position. idea. Again, you're making something up. You're trying to pull something out of the sky and say, spend $12 million on... Joseph Josephat. If he can rush the passer, yeah. Yes, correct. That's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. Well, we'll get an answer today on uh, Patrick Queen. We will get an answer 
on whether or not Patrick Queen will um, have his fifth-year option picked up. It certainly at this moment does not appear as though it's going to be the case. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you. Chase Young, he'll be a free agent. (laughs) There you go. There you go. You got your answer right there. You got your answer. By the way, if he's any good at all, he's not going to be a free agent. (laughs) The only way he's going to be a free agent is if he stinks again. Well, we're not going to be able to get any good free agents if we don't have money. And that's. You keep saying this. The Ravens in their history overwhelmingly have not spent money on free agents. True. So, yes, there's every now and then a Marcus Williams that pops up, right? Like, And if what you're saying is, well, if that player were to pop up, it would prevent them from having that opportunity to do that. Sure, but for me to make the assumption that that's what they're going to do when everything about the history of the Baltimore Ravens says that's not what they do, that's quite the stretch. I don't, I don't, again, a smarter person than I could do a more complete breakdown and try to explain why it is that uniquely they're, Fine. God, God bless you. Attempt to do that. But good football player, $12 million for one season. This kind of goes into what we were saying about Odell Beckham. It's hard to have a bad short-term contract. And even if there are avoidable years and there's a one-year, it's all over after next year for Odell Beckham. It's hard to have a bad one-year deal. Patrick Queen, it wouldn't be a bad long-term deal because he's a good football player. It's just making a budgetary decision. And again, I can understand that. But I would be trading him, and by doing this, you'd buy yourself another year of value for a trade. Maybe they announced an extension today with Patrick Queen. I would, that would truly stun me. <laughs> that one would be the one that I would be absolutely gobsmacked by. <laughs> you want to shock me? That can shock me. Did not see that coming. All right, Tidbit is brought to you by the Print Issue of Press Box, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. It's all about the uh, pipeline of talent that still exists, despite the fact that Adley's here and Grayson's here and Gunner's here. There's still a lot, including Jackson Holiday, whose illustration is on the cover. Uh, and speaking of that print issue of Press Box, which is, again, available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box or read it all, pressboxonline.com, also, in concert with it, we've got a great contest going on at PressBoxOnline.com slash contests where you can win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. Must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests right now in order to sign up. So with the Boston Bruins' loss last night in Game 7 to the Florida Panthers, uh... Both of the teams with the best regular season record in the NHL and the NBA failed to get out of the first round since the Bucks lost to uh, yeah. to the Miami Heat. I actually thought it was kind of I like kind of neat that uh, so you know there's in the NBA it's there's a one there's a two there's a three there's a yes, four like that's never another, happened yeah, before. Yeah. One each seed represented in the NBA playoffs. The Nuggets are the one, Heat are the eight, oh, and then they team for from each side representing mm-hmm. each seed uh the last time that the best that the team with the best regular season record in the nhl and nba lost in the first round the canucks and the bulls in 2012 okay uh bruins are also the second team in nhl history to blow a 3-1 series lead as the president's trophy winner joining the 2010 uh washington capitals ah there you go <laughs> lost there in their in the quarter, conference quarterfinals against uh, the canadians it's so funny the capitals ever won a stanley cup considering that like that's their entire history just blown it's just the playoffs. that of yeah. just being it's hilarious that they somehow won one 
like they overcome every they overcame everything in their DNA to try to and it, again after that right back to being exactly what you would expect them to be but for one year it's like the, the hockey gods took a year off there were like, a lot of capital fans around here uh, during that one year no they were a handful the, the, the like people that the people that were tried to pretend like there were a lot more when I was in high school yeah I mean like it, it felt was, like everyone was like yeah caps yeah, I mean, caps caps they were a, they were Maple a Leafs Maple Leafs won their first playoff series since 2004 was the last time they won a a uh, a hockey playoff series so it's been yeah yeah. 6,948 days. Uh, this is a, <laughs> so they still don't travel their radio broadcasters, really? which is bull S, and their radio guys are still working from a monitor, and they called the wrong name on the, on the game-winning goal. Mm. Not even their fault. Really. Uh, it's, of course it's not their fault. They're not there. It's bull S. It's utter and complete nonsense. All right, anyway, sorry. The Oakland Athletics, uh, very bad at baseball. I don't actually care, of course. Like, yeah. I don't, why would I care? But, like, in the world in which this is my profession, like, this this S should matter. And I get it. Like, it's part of it is people saying, well, you know, radio is kind of dead anyway. Yes, but it's still your moment. Like, and that's the thing that nobody can, can see through. They can't see through the, I, I'm not sure exactly how overwhelming the, the listenership is for a radio broadcast of a hockey game any longer, even in the playoffs. Like, that's what some some suit is thinking, is I just don't know how many people there are out at night driving around at 10 p.m. listening to a radio broadcast of a hockey game, which, again, to some extent, there's truth to. Now, there are still some. They do still exist as humans. Like, I'm still in my car sometimes when games are going on, and I do want to be able to listen to them. But on top of that, it's the legs that something has. It's the... This was a meaningful moment in the history of your franchise, and having that call for social media, having it, right, dumb, it is stupid, unfortunate, stupid. The Oakland Athletics—they had 28 games played in April without a win by a starting pitcher. That is the most games played like, in a calendar I, month. I, I know that should be surprising, but it's just really not that. Surprising. They won six games total. Yeah, um, and uh, not a single win. One of those six given to the starting pitcher. Yeah. Uh, Trenton Simpson became the first Clemson draft pick uh, in Ravens history, leaving one team to have never drafted a Clemson football player. Serious? The Carolina Panthers. Oh, the closest one. Yeah, That's exactly. really Well, technically Atlanta is close. Atlanta's like 120 miles away, and in, Cl- in Charlotte's like 130. So. Okay. If you but it is. So. But, but they, it is interesting that it's the closest. Don't they do training camp in South they have, Carolina? Yeah, they've played games, I think, or – when they first moved there or something, they played or a game or either preseason games or something. That might be true. I don't know. But I think they do. I think their, their training camp is in Orangeburg, oh, really? uh, South Carolina. So, yeah. So, very interesting that, yeah, the closest uh, team really you know, like by state uh, not drafted a Clemson player yet. Nelson Cruz had a five-hit game in Mexico City Saturday, uh, and he joins this person as the only players age 42 or older to have five-hit games. He joins 45-year-old. Pete Rose. Oh, okay. I Pete was going to guess Julio Franco. Mm. Uh, Five-hit game. Um, and then Eduardo Rodriguez pitched again against the Orioles on Saturday, and he was uh, he was pretty good. Um, and he has the most wins by an active pitcher against the Orioles with 14. I want to see if you can name uh, the next five guys on this list uh, that have the most wins as a starting pitcher against the Orioles. By the way, I'm trying to look over this list. So Dobbins and Matabike are free agents. Duvernay. Yeah, there's just not a guy here. I, mean, I guess you 
at this point you feel like you want to bring Matabike back. Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be a limit to that. Like this right. goes back to the you know how much money they spent on Brandon Williams. Like I, if he's so monstrous this season post Calais Campbell that you've got to tag him, you tag him, and you you know you make it work that way. But like. The guide so far, yes, you'd like to bring him back, but he can price himself out of you bringing him back by saying, look, you're a good football player, but we don't think you're this guy, and we've got a history of always finding defensive linemen. Um, all right, so give me that one more time. All right, so Eduardo Rodriguez got yes. his 14th career yes. win against the Orioles on Saturday in that double, in, what was that, game one of the doubleheader? And uh, yeah, that is the most among active pitchers. I want to see that? if you can name the next. L- give me the next four guys with the most active because there, there, there's five guys tied with uh, okay. tied with uh, the fifth most wins. Chris Sale. Chris Sale is second on this list. He has ten wins against the Orioles in his pitching career. Um, I gotta think about who's active. Tanaka. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka not on the list. Odd. Um, Severino, Pedro Severino, not on the list either. Well, it would be Pedro Severino. It would not, not, not no, Pedro. It would Severino. Definitely not be Pedro. Severino. Is that what I said? Yes, that's I what thought I said. said. Luis, oh. <laughs> Luis Severino, not yes. on the list either. Uh huh. Is there is there someone that I would associate with the Yankees? Am I trying too hard? <laughs> Yes. Well, actually, no. He's just outside my cutoff. There's, yeah, not a current player associated with the Yankees. Okay. So, um, let's try. Let's try Chris Archer. Chris Archer not on this list either. This is trickier than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, Think more Red Sox well, players. Okay, Red Sox E. So yeah. like guys that have gone elsewhere since they've been Red Sox. Tanaka had six wins against the Orioles, just outside my cutoff of seven. Okay. Um, man, two current Red Sox, one former Red Sox, another, one Blue Jay, another current Red Sox. Yes, another current Red Sox. I don't know who else. I mean, is it is it somehow? Like Kluber's only been there for a minute, so yeah, I don't but think he's been around for a while. Kluber does have Kluber. seven. He's tied for right. tied for the fifth most uh, with well, seven. It's not really about what he's done with the Red Sox. Is right. the point. Like it's kind of misleading there. Um. Okay. Sorry. You said something. What else? You said another former Red Sox. Yeah, another former Red Sox. Not currently on the Red Sox. Another former Red Sox that. Actually, I think he threw a complete game over the weekend. Clay Buckholtz. Not Clay Buckholtz. I don't think he's active. Really? Is he? <laughs> I I lost track at some point. I would have bet that he was still hanging around somehow. Boy, Clay Buckholz hasn't been active for a couple years, so I. He did have eleven career wins against God, the Orioles. God. Um, that's the, the Orioles were bad, so I just wasn't paying attention. I just kind of assumed that Clay Buckholz kept Buckles. popping up somewhere. I mean, I like the pool, but I mean, dude, you know, <laughs> you're trying to think of guys that who would have just popped up. Um, hang on a second. Did you give you his current no, team? No, 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 no. I got to right. let me think. Stop. Just yeah. let me think. You're talking too much and I'm not getting a chance to think. It's radio. You got to keep talking. Keep right, going. I know. Well, that's why I was going to no. that's what I was um, trying to do while you think. No, shut up. Okay. Shut up already, you. Who else is still active? 
that's the problem because is Ivaldi? Oh, Ivaldi. It is Nathan Ivaldi. He is he is thirty fourth most wins, eight against the Orioles in his career. I'm looking for the guy with number three, number third on this list now. Nine wins against the Orioles. And you said he is currently on the blue on on the Blue Jays. He's a current Blue Jay. That is correct. So it would be. Well, okay, because mm, Stroman doesn't make sense. It is not Stroman. Uh, of the current Blue Jays, it would be Stroman has five. That's not bad. Yeah. Of the current Blue Jays, it would be um, Ma- Barrios. It is Barrios. Yeah. I guess Barrios. Jose Barrios. I, I, I he has nine against the Orioles. Obviously, with the Twins, he was yeah. pretty good against the Orioles. I'm like as well. going through, like it's not Manoa. Other, He's not been there enough. Other guys tied at fifth with seven: Nick Pavetta of the okay. of the Red Sox, Jake Odorizzi, surprisingly. Well, uh, he was in Tampa. That yeah, makes and sense. Alex Cobb while well, he was in Tampa. Okay, yeah, that, I, I didn't know that. I knew that Alex Cobb yeah. was still active for the record. Where's and Alex Cobb? He is in uh, San Francisco. Oh, he's still in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. And uh, Max Scherzer also has seven wins against the Orioles. Really? Branching back all the way to his time with the Tigers, I oh, guess. Oh, yeah, I guess just, yeah. I've, I mean, Domingo, The highest current Yankee, uh, Domingo Erman. Oh, all right, very good, very good. Kyle Gibson also has six wins against the Orioles. How about that? How about it? And Ryan Yarbrough has five. Who right. we face what, uh, tomorrow right. night? Tomorrow night. Yeah. Is it? yeah, tomorrow night. All right, here's coming up, Totally Tubular Rise. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. No Orioles tonight, um, but you do get one more Game 7 in the NHL. Rangers, Devils, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, on TNT, Sixers, Celtics, Game 1 at 7.30. Suns, Nuggets, Game 2 at 10. How much, how much did they lose by on Saturday? Non-serious franchise. Kevin Durant had a double-double. That's pretty cool. Team. Great. Mass and Cubs Nationals at 7. MLB Network Braves Mets at 1. Phillies Dodgers at 11. FS1 Giants Astros at 8. USA for Leicester City in Everton at 3. WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Um, A couple things. Nick Cage is going to be on Stephen Colbert. Um, Charlie Day will be on Jimmy Kimmel. So Charlie Day is... That was the thing you were telling us about. Oh, no. He's in the... He's in the... Uh, the, 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 the the, he's, he's making his directorial debut. Oh, that wasn't in, what I was thinking. He's in the show that with the he's Super P. Mario Davidson. Bros. He's in oh, the yeah, P. He's Davidson in, show. Yeah. The, well, he what he is promoting is Fool's Paradise, where he makes his directorial debut. Sure. Comes out in theaters later this month. But he plays a a mute, but the guy's like t- not technically mute. He just doesn't talk, and he kind of just ends up becoming wildly famous as an actor because Ray Liotta f- f- finds him on the street. And uh, it's a pretty star-studded cast. There's Kate Beckinsale, Ken Jeong, uh, Adrian Brody, Common is in it, Jason Sudeikis. It looks actually pretty good. Right. Um, but this is his directorial debut. It comes out later this month and called Fool's Paradise. All so right. it'll be on Kimmel tonight. Um, and Seth Meyers is going to have Chance the Rapper and Parker Posey. Um, and then two new shows. Nat Geo is doing a show. It's called A Small Light New Series. It is a story of a family that hid Anne Frank. Okay. Um, during All World right. War II. I'm interested. Yes, and then HBO has a new show called White House Plumbers, um, and is the story behind the Watergate scandal. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Howard All Hunt, right. played by Woody Harrelson, Gordon Liddy by Justin Theroux, and they're stopping leaks, essentially, is that's why they're called Plumbers. Uh, I no, I, I, know the, yes. I know the whole story. Well, I can yes. get behind that. Yeah, I'm so that one actually looks, I'm interested in that one as well. That is 9 o'clock on HBO. All right, very yeah. good. Thanks today to... Um, 
Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Eric Edholm. Thanks to Keaton Mitchell, the running back from uh, East Carolina, and the son of Anthony Mitchell, just uh, taken as an under or signed as an undrafted free agent by the Ravens. And also to Boston College football coach Jeff Halfley. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com uh, tomorrow. Stuff and things. Patrick Stevens will join us tomorrow. We will preview uh, Selection Sunday in college lacrosse. So I think Patrick Ricard might join us tomorrow as well. So look forward to that. All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners. A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and All America Lacrosse. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Go Suns. Duke sucks.